This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Recently, Breitbart released a report showing that much of the uh, nonprofits that were going after Elon Musk, criticizing his attempt at buying Twitter, were funded by Bill Gates. Elon Musk was already very critical of Bill Gates, even posting a meme of him as the pregnant man emoji. And uh, we all had a laugh. But uh, now he's responded to the story saying, sigh. Now, I don't know exactly what that means other than Elon knows about it. But this resulted in Breitbart trending earlier today on Twitter because Elon responding to it has elevated this story. And there's something interesting here because there's like some kind of yin yang, good versus evil, Elon versus Gates thing going on where Elon Musk is like, hey, we need more people. Like you, you, you need more people on this planet to sustain and, and develop and grow and population is declining. These are bad things. And uh, free speech, the people should have a right, should have freedom. And then Bill Gates is exactly the opposite saying we need to reduce population and free speech is bad, issuing a statement saying he's going to, he's going to muck things up on Twitter. So this is actually a really interesting story that gets to the heart of this, this, I mean, you've got two billionaires basically at war in the greater culture war. So we'll talk about that. We've got a couple other stories. Democrats have won a, a, an appeal to a federal court, allowing them to now pursue disqualifying Republicans from being able to run for office under the 14th Amendment. So there was a ruling saying you can't use the 14th Amendment to disqualify Republicans because of this clemency bill that happened in 1872. And a federal court said, no, that's not true. If, if, if you today, after the Civil War, insurrect, you can be barred from running for office. So it doesn't mean anybody has been found to be an insurrecting against the United States. But you've already got many Democrats saying anyone who voted to uh, not to certify the election in 2020 committed insurrection. So this is where they're going. They can't win the election, so they're going for lawfare, which says to me that all of this is just pushing us ever closer from civil strife into some kind of civil war. And don't, don't take my word for it. Robert Reich wrote an article where he explained that, you know, it's not going to be a civil war. It's going to be a peaceful divorce that people will just slowly start going to other places. The red, you know, red voters will go to red states and blue voters to blue states. And it's funny because uh, that's kind of exactly what was happening with the first civil war. So we'll talk about all this stuff. We'll talk about tech oligarchy and censorship. And joining us to talk about this today, actually, we have two Ians. Um, but uh, our, our first guest, Aaron Wolf. Hi there. I'm Aaron Wolf. I'm uh, working on tech freedom. Do you want to, a little bit about your background, maybe? Nice. You can, um, you want to point the microphone, just like trying to aim it at your mouth. There we go. There you go. Perfect. All so, right. Gloria, what do you do? Um, so, I'm, I'm a programmer. I dropped out of grad school in uh, 97 to go work at Yahoo. Um, basically, spent 18 years in Silicon Valley, um, going with the flow for the most part, but also kind of being an obnoxious dissenter <laughs> a lot of the times, too. Um by 20, uh, you know, I basically worked for five years at Yahoo, um, did random gigs and nonsense, uh, invested in WhatsApp, um, doubled my money several times investing in big tech. And um, kind of at a certain point, I decided I needed to like do what I dropped out of grad school for, which is uh, 
you know, create good software. So I'm trying to do what I can to kind of facilitate good software um, to be created. And I don't see any of the big tech giants doing that now. They're actually conspiring to make our software worse in many different ways. I mean, censorship kind of is the biggest right now. And you're involved with Minds.com. Yes. I, one of the first things I did is invest in Minds.com. So I helped them, you know, keep going. They're doing great work, uh, you know, with an open source social network. Um, very, very focused on freedom of speech. Right on, right on. And we also have another Ian. Hey, uh, I'm Ian Mason. Uh, I'm uh, helping Aaron build Fudo. I moved to Austin to do that. Yeah, I mean, his his mission just attracted me uh, this um the internet and the tech world as we had it for 20, 25 years there created so much. It created, it democratized speech. It, uh, it allowed access to, it gave people access to information like they'd never had before. I mean, this show couldn't possibly be happening, happening without that sort of, uh, the freewheeling spirit of the tech world prior to maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and if we're going to preserve that, I think it can't just be done through politics. It has to be done through technological means. And, and that's what I feel like Aaron's mission is. And, I'm here to help them. So uh, as we talk about big tech censorship and the tech oligarchs and all that stuff, you mentioned FUTO, right? What? Wh- so this is what you guys are working on. What is it? Just so people get a general idea of like what your mission is and what's the background. Um, so FUTO is an organization. We're basically spending a lot of money trying to do whatever we can to chip away at the power that the uh, tech oligopoly has. So... We're going to be funding people with grant programs, um, get them coding, get people coding, get people to quit their jobs at Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people at those companies who hate those companies, but they're getting, but they don't know what, if there's anything else they can do that's interesting even. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Project Veritas is often telling people, be brave, you know, let us know if these things are going on. But a lot of people feel like if they do, they're, they're, they're going to be destitute. They're not going to have anywhere to go. They're not going to be able to work anywhere. So I think people need to understand there's there's other places to be where you can work or there's at least you guys are encouraging them to get away from that and build something new and unique. So we will talk about that. It's going to be interesting. We also have original Ian. What up, everybody? Yeah, it's great that we're talking about Bill Gates because a lot about this, you know, we talk about the, the locking down of the tech industry in the early 80s. He's kind of notorious for taking, I think it was Unix code. And correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you guys could tell the story better than I could. Uh-uh. Um, he bought MS-DOS from another company and basically worked with IBM to kind of dominate um, with Intel. It was called Wintel in those days. And he oh, took yeah. he took free software and then made it private or took open source code and then privatized it? Is I this- don't know if it was open source, but it was you know, I don't. I don't think it was open source. I think it was proprietary. He bought it and then you know distributed. I remember it. Richard Stallman. You know, just all about the open source community, free software. He's the guy that yeah. wrote AGPL three and stuff. I mean, the worst thing that Bill Gates did is he um, actively conspired to keep Linux from ever getting a, a huge, a, a decent market share. We should save any momentum. this. Yeah, this so, is hot. Okay. We can we can concentrate all of the rat okay. Bill Gates sure. in a one Fusion. nice position. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm also here pushing buttons in the corner. I'm sure I will be overwhelmed by all the tech terms in this show, so please pray for my button pushing skills. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become members, help support our work directly. As a member, you will keep our journalists working. You will get access to exclusive segments from this show Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. And you're also supporting exactly this alternative infrastructure. We are using Rumble's cloud infrastructure to try and get away from big tech Silicon Valley. At the very least, create competition and let them know every single time I bring it up on every episode is on purpose so they know 
that people are building alternatives, that we can use them, that they're working and we are finding success on these platforms. And so can you. And that means if they don't shape up and change what they're doing, we're going to leave and we can leave. And that's that's one of the most powerful things you can do as a member, just support more businesses that are using technology outside of Silicon Valley. So don't forget to also smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And let's jump into that first story from the Daily Mail. Billionaires at war. Elon Musk deepens feud with Bill Gates by touting article claiming the Microsoft mogul poured millions into dark money fund targeting him. That is dastardly. But before we show anything, I want to show you this. Elon Musk (laughs) posting the pregnant man emoji next to a photo of Bill Gates. So here's the funny thing. He posted this April 22nd and it shows, you know, Bill Gates. It's the haircut's the same. You know, there's not wearing glasses, but oh he's got a big belly and a blue shirt. And uh, you just need to understand that Elon posted this. Uh, Bill Gates had already been funding these groups. Now, here's the crazy thing. Apparently, Bill Gates reached out to Elon Musk about donating or some kind of philanthropy, but was was running a 500, I think it was 500 million, right? $500 million short against Tesla. And Elon's like, I'm doing the most for climate change. And you're trying to short my position. I don't trust you. So they've kind of been going at it. The one thing I want to reiterate for this as we start this segment is that Elon is a guy who said, we need more people. Mm. You know, if you, you, you need more people to sustain this, this civilization and this planet to, to colonize other planets and all of that stuff. And people should have free speech, should have, you know, the right to use these platforms and speak and, and all that stuff. Bill Gates is the opposite. He says, we need less people. There's too many. And people shouldn't have that free speech. So it's really interesting. We have these two billionaire factions going at each other. So uh, in this story, the report came out that Bill Gates poured millions of dollars into dark money fund attacking Elon Musk. He responded with sigh. That's it. But that does it does say a lot. As soon as Elon acknowledged Breitbart, what ends up happening is Breitbart begin, begins trending on Twitter. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every every blue check journalist starts claiming, oh, Barry Bart is fake news. You don't trust it. And now they're trying to claim, you know, once again, like, oh, Elon Musk, he's far right or whatever. I think this just goes to show that there are efforts to silence us from very powerful interests. Whether you, you whether you like Breitbart or not, Bill Gates absolutely is funding NGOs. Many of these many of these big corporations we see, we just saw State Farm, I think. It was State Farm. Yeah. They had this thing where they were sending, you know, LGBTQ stuff for kids. Yeah. All of this stuff is happening behind the scenes. All of these groups are, are you know, opposed to free speech. So what happens next? Uh, what do you guys think? I think that we double down on the U.S. Constitution, but I'd like to hear your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I mean, to me, Bill Gates embodies kind of the tech elitism that I fled when I left Silicon Valley. Um, it very much is this very pompous attitude that, you know, if people are allowed, like, if we allow these people to think for themselves, like, they're going to give us bad results. Like, and it is just like, they're so stupid. We have to take care of them. Like, it's very much like there are, there are pets almost. Like, I feel, I don't feel like Bill Gates is evil, but he doesn't trust the everyday person to kind of make their own decisions, read information, read Alex Jones or watch Alex Jones, right? Watch all these things and come to their own conclusions. 
Um, whereas Elon Musk does seem to be, you know, to some degree, you know, fighting kind of for the more, the more common man, fighting for free speech. You know, yes, every like he's not saying like only elites should have children. He's saying we should all have more children and things like that. Well, he actually had a tweet earlier. He said, uh, I think this was today, right? Yeah. He said most rich people he knows, most people he knows has like have like one or two kids. Yes. Or, or no, it's like one or none, right? Yeah. So- and then he's got eight. Yeah. True. He yeah. has eight kids. Yeah. There's a lot of kids. Octo dad. Yeah. Octo dad. <laughs> Indeed. There's a lot of kids. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that is rampant in Silicon Valley, this, this belief. And I think it was big in the seventies too, of just like, there's too many kids. Like a lot of them think that there should be licenses to have kids. Um, they don't so, even have kids. They, and they, yeah, they don't have right. kids themselves. You're right. I mean, I, I gotta say, haven't you uh, ever encountered someone that was just so stupid? You're like, you know what? Bill Gates is right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> but it's it's you know, there you got to you got to believe in free. I mean, for me, I believe in freedom first. So yeah. like I'm no, not going to. Maybe you see that yeah. person and think that, but then who's going to work at the licensing office, right? Maybe yeah. that guy. Yeah. So yeah, right. <laughs> take that into the equation. Exactly. When I think about how they founded the U.S. the U.S. government, it was kind of like an elitist. They had an elite. Like they were like, we can't trust the common man to govern themselves, so we're going to create a Congress to do it for them, just in case. And no, that, that that is the common man. Well, it's a representative of the common man. Yeah, they, yeah. They're because, the most intelligent among them. To I mean, what were they going to do? They weren't going to do a direct democracy because that doesn't work. Mobs are dangerous. Right. But but the, the you know before the United States, it was a king who ruled by decree, and it was just like do as you're told, pay your taxes, and they were like, we just want representation. They're like, no. I think with social media, when you get like what they call fake news or like misinformation, disinformation, it's the mob mentality that's dangerous if a piece of bad information goes out and then everyone shares it, or if 50 million people share it. It's kind of like democracy in action. And I get, I see the danger in it. Yeah, no, bad things can happen. I mean, there was a problem where some Indian village or we've been told there was an Indian village that started like murdering tourists because there was some like superstition about tourists uh, that spread on WhatsApp. Like, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I'm going to go for, I'm going to be on the side of freedom. They, they, they have this uh, utopian view of everything saying like, there's a problem happening. We can solve it. You can't solve it. You, you, you can't. And, and we're, we're witnessing this with, all of the big tech stuff, they they try banning memes, and then what happens? They end up banning the you know random people on accident and banning a bunch of regular people. The famous moment was when the editor in chief of the Daily Caller got banned for referencing hashtag Learn to Code because they created an automated system saying, okay, anybody saying Learn to Code, you got to ban them. Why? There are a bunch of white like you know what it really feels like. They're a bunch of they're, they're, they're like the class president, you know. They're snooty and elitist. And they're angry that everyone's laughing and having fun. And they're like, stop. Having fun is not allowed. And so they're just like, tell the algorithm to ban anybody who says learn to code. And that's a really bad idea. Here's a really great example. Remember when the CEO of Reddit went to the Donald and manually changed the comments from Donald users because he was mad at them? Talk about a whiny, pathetic loser. Someone said mean words. So he went into the Reddit database and changed what they said. Yeah, that guy's just Sad. a loser. What a loser. Yeah. And he's got how much money? See, this is the problem. This is why I agree. We can't, we can't be like, we need licensing and we need to restrict free speech. Cause then you get losers like that in charge of the system, which you have now. And they flex their muscles thinking, oh, I should be in charge. And then they do petty garbage like that. How sad. 
I'm, my biggest takeaway from the from the Breitbart piece as well is, is that so many of those arguments are made in bad faith, which I, th- I think is what is what you're getting at. You know, the, the same people who are now saying we don't want this this uh, this purchase, you know, they have ties to Bill Gates or they have ties to other industry people. Um, the same people who before this saga were saying, you know, actually there is no censorship, everything is just is just moderation and all that. When Elon says he's maybe going to buy this, um, suddenly there is censorship. And not only is it real, it's actually essential that it continue for our democracy to continue to function. And in all cases, these, these arguments are, you know, they were bad faith arguments before and, and, they're, and they're being revised. I understand local censorship. Like uh, in your house, it's your rules. And if the kids speak up out of turn, you know, it's your house. They follow your law. That's your you're censoring. Your, but top down censorship doesn't work, doesn't seem to work. Not, I mean, not really. Not really. You, you, well, well you have par- like sedition parents, laws and stuff. Parents and kids and small, you know, private homes is one thing. It's like it's my house. If somebody comes over and they they act up, I'm going to be like, bro, you can leave. It's my house. Now that's the argument we we see from a lot of Democrats. Like it's a private company, and I'm just like, yeah, who controls the common space where adults are all trying to discuss with each other? There is no super parent. There's no like. You know, after you're a hundred years old, hundred years old, you elevate to a higher authority of adult. No, no, no. We're all adults. We all have thoughts and opinions. We all have rights, and we're going to argue those things. They think they shouldn't have to argue at all. They think they should just be able to stamp you out. And a good example is what's happening with this lawsuit. Democrats are trying to disqualify Republicans instead of saying, "I'm going to stand in front of the common people and tell them my thoughts and my plans." I'm going to go to the judge and say, he shouldn't be allowed to run for office. Come on, judge, ban him. Because they, they can't win. They don't want to actually play by the rules. They're whiny, pathetic losers. What have you guys found is the most resilient, I guess, resistance towards this stuff at this point? In what fashion? Well, like, like uh, the best tech you could build to, to circumvent censorship or like censorship that's gone too far. Well, I mean, are you kind of just talking about like what are the biggest hurdles that we have to overcome? Yeah. I mean, I would say like it's gotten way worse with the app stores with, with, uh, iPhone totally locking down their computer. It used to be that you could program whatever you wanted and your friends could install it. And now Apple approves what you can do. Um, and they'll even like, like take you off of the store if your buttons and, you know, if Steve Jobs' corpse doesn't like where your button is, um, you'll you can get removed from the store um for real they'll remove stuff for design yes yes really yes, yes, what's it, an example of that well um <clears throat> they have very strict guidelines for for their design so um so what, my company that i helped start in 2014 we got removed because it was um it wasn't quite for design it was because and it wasn't really removed. It was just we couldn't upgrade it. And it was because um, they weren't happy that we were allowing people. We were we were we we kind of looked like we had a list of games. They were like, "Oh well, you have a list of games in your app. That's that's kind of our job. We have the list of games on our thing. So like, we we might be competing too much with Apple." Um, and then they they said we couldn't upgrade until we made it feel like it was less of a um, list of games and more like a chat app. They said, it's okay if you have a chat app. It's not okay if you have a list of games. Yeah, Roblox is on the Apple App Store, and it is the, that's the exact thing. It's a list of games. They yeah. call them experiences. Right, so they've, they've they, they, it's, it's, you probably deal with YouTube all the time. They like, their guidelines are always shifting, right? So they kind of have this gray area where that they can operate in and they can enforce things in a 
irregular fashion. Yep. And they absolutely have like people at Facebook who, you know, they, Facebook gets to do what they want way more than like a smaller developer gets to do what they want. And like, if you're an open source developer trying to create like, you know, something federated like Matrix or something, it's even harder. When you're looking at F-Droid, whenever I think about like open source uh, app stores, I think of F-Droid. Is that good or is it dangerous or what's the deal? I mean, they would say it's dangerous. I think it's great. Like I want more people using, you know, the, the open source, the, um, they're, they're called the, uh, they're, they're basically operating systems based on the Android open source project, which, you know, people have removed the Google control from. So yeah, you can install Graphene OS or Lineage OS and install F-Droid and kind of get whatever apps you want. But this is, you know, for the average person, they have no idea what you just said, to be honest, you know, what's F-Droid? What is, what yeah. is Graphene? And what that's kind things? of, I agree. That's, that, that's one of the things that we really want to focus on with Futo too, is educating people about their options and also making them better. I mean, we have to admit that the oligopoly is doing a great job at building these things. Like, the, it's the, very easy. The product I, is really good. That's yeah. a, that's the first problem with the, with the tech oligopoly is. Yes. The App Store, I think, is one thing that's often overlooked in the discussion about free speech because that's probably the most important. Because even if, like, I, we all saw Gab get pulled from the App Store and banned, and then they have to find alternative means means to get in, getting back on the App Store. One of the funniest things I think they did was they created a clone of the uh, the Fediverse app, which is it's just a it's a it's it, there's no website, it's just a shell. Then you plug in where you want to go, and oh, it can boot up you know, Gab's, uh, you know, servers that got banned too. And they were like, it's a clone. I think it was a clone of Mastodon or something. And so it was like, why was that? It wasn't a clone of Mastodon. I think it was a clone of Fediverse. So for those that aren't familiar with what this means, it's like a web browser. It's like they ban your website. So you launch your own web browser and then they ban your web browser. And it's just that. That's how insane the control of these two app stores really is. Maybe maybe there's something there. I mean, you know, Bill Gates got hit for antitrust for what putting Internet Explorer on on all these uh, Windows machines. Is that what happened? Yeah, that was in the late '90s when um, Netscape was uh, dominating the browser market. And um, you know, there, if you want to talk about Bill Gates, like the first thing he did before that even happened, before the internet even got big, is uh, I believe it was Dell was trying to sell PCs with Linux pre-installed. Instead of Windows, Whoa, so Linux no would have would would have had like a decent market share and gotten a lot more momentum than it got as a desktop operating system. What Bill Gates did is he basically um, he did some sort of deal. I don't know the details precisely, but it was something about like unless you're exclusive Microsoft Windows on your PCs that you're shipping, you're going to pay a lot more per license. So B- Dell would pay like you know five bucks a license or something for windows and it would have been 10 bucks or something if they had also if they kept selling linux machines so so linux is awesome i uh, uh for those that aren't familiar it's it's open source free operating system that works really really well i i guess because it's uh linux it most people would, would recognize it because it's similar to mac os right um yeah, Mac OS was derived from a Unix. Um, yeah. It was derived more from FreeBSD, which is Unix. Hard to tell the difference, really. But so, so yeah. you know, for, for all of you out there who use Mac, you might easily understand what uh, what Linux is. I think a lot of uh, big chain stores use Linux for their terminals for like self checkout and stuff because it's free and they have to pay licenses. But it's really amazing. I didn't know that story that Bill Gates basically shut that down because. 
Imagine if we did not have Microsoft Windows and, as, as the dominant platform. Imagine if it was a free open source technology and you get some jerk like Bill Gates who comes in and sticks his foot you know, in the door and then stops that from happening so he can control that piece. And now you have tech oligarchs like him specifically. And now he's gone from just being some guy who's like, I think you should have my operating system instead to there's too many people on this planet. And we should have less people. Right, and, and all that went. I know Tim, you bring up antitrust enforcement because that has played sort of a, a, good, a role as a final check here over the decades. It took ten years of practices like that before finally it was the the Internet uh, Explorer integration <coughs> that finally did trigger that. We've seen far less. You know, antitrust has not provided uh, an effective check uh, in the last bit here on what I think most observers would say is at least somewhat anti-competitive practices among app stores and a hundred other things we could go into. I think that the fact is we need something like Fudo because um, antitrust is not going to to handle it on its own. Uh, there are there are things that inherent in the system as it exists now that are anti-competitive that make it. I mean, down to the engineers themselves. That the sort of um, the model of Silicon Valley now is to lock up talented engineers within four or five or six companies forever, not based particularly on their output, but based on the fact that them being there prevents viable alternatives from coming into existence. Now, now Steve Jobs. I hear he was kind of a dick as well. Was that the case? I mean... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I would say like one quality that like, you know, all these oligarchs, um, the the trait that they have in common is they're, they're all kind of meat. Steve Jobs is maybe special, but it's like if you look at like someone like Mark Zuckerberg, they're mediocre, above average programmers, right? Maybe they're you know top ten percent programmers. But what the trait they really have is they do like to control things. Mm. So like Bill Gates was having a conniption when Linux when Dell was trying to sell Linux computers. Mark Zuckerberg was having a conniption when he saw that you know tons of people were uploading photos to WhatsApp instead of Facebook, like. Which you know, within a couple of years, that happened. Um, wow. So yeah, so Steve Jobs is the same thing. Like very, 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 very controlling people. Like Steve Jobs is like, you must have one. I don't know if you remember. He insisted on one mouse button for a long time, right. even though there were so many people who wanted like two mouse buttons. Well, there was the gag. <laughs> I think it was the Onion who made it where the new Mac was just instead of a keyboard, it was a it was a wheel. <laughs> And if you wanted That's to type, right. you had to wheel to the letter and then press the button because it's, yeah. it's just simpler uh, yeah. that way. Right. I, I, I couldn't, I could, I, I couldn't stand Apple. It's the same thing. It's like these, these, these people want to control and extract as much as they can from, from everybody. Yeah. Now look, good business, good for them, I suppose. But I remember my friends telling me that they were, they were 
obligated by their professors to buy Mac to use it for school or whatever. And I'm like, that's five times more expensive for the same processing power. They take, was it FreeBSD you said? They take a Unix system, they slap their logo on it and then charge you money for it. Mm. I mean, they did, I'll give them a bit of a pass. They did a lot of good work. And honestly, you know, in 2006, 2007, they were still very small market share. Like they actually did beat Microsoft by making it better. So I'll give Steve Jobs a pass. You know, if, if you're the small guy and you're, you know, trying to control things, that's okay. If you're in, like, if you have your vision, your unified vision for a beautiful product and you're at 10% market share, go at it. As soon as you get to, you know, have too much power, like 50% market share and the only other player is also 50%, you know, that's when you got to like step, you know, step it back a bit. For sure. I, I suppose it's fair to say Steve Jobs never came out and said there's too many people. So we got to figure out how to, how to reduce those numbers. <laughs> And population growth. Because that's kind of a weird thing for a, for a computer guy to say. Oh, buying farms and stuff. Yeah. yeah. What the heck? <laughs> it kind of make, makes me think like it, when you have a big uh, network, you, you kind of want to see what the people want and then build the network to support that as opposed to build a network that decides what the people are going to want. But that there's so many people that want so many different things, it becomes challenging, if not impossible, to, to support all those different ideas at once. That might be what's stopping them from why they become so authoritarian and controlling the network. But I haven't been in that position yet, so I'm not sure exactly you know, what's causing it. To to rise to the position where you mm-hmm. are running a company like Microsoft, you have to genuinely believe you're smarter and better than everybody. So it's like if you if you take 100 people and you, you put them in a sieve and you shake it as hard as you can to see what falls out and what sticks, the people who hold on the tightest, you know, they're the ones who are have that have that energy. So naturally, the person who rises to the top at big, massive companies like this are the people who are like, I'm smarter, I'm better, everyone's got to do what I say. That's why you end up with the Bill Gates. Yeah, and the collusion but, works. I mean, the collusion oh, yeah. works. You're, you're going to win if you're colluding. Somebody who just wants to, you know, likes competition and wants, if they see a threat and they say, well, let's do better, like, let's view this as a friendly competition, that person's going to lose to the colluders. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, it's kind of formed naturally this monopoly in, in a lot of ways. And I want to I add one more thing to what I was just saying. Uh, there, I was reading about how celebrities tend to be sociopaths. They tend to be narcissists and egotistical, er, very arrogant. And it, it's actually fairly simple as to why that is. You have two people. One person is very humble. One person is narcissistic. Which one's going to get up on stage and shout out how beautiful and amazing they are? It's going to be the narcissist. The humble person is going to be like, well, you know, maybe it's not for me. You're going to have someone say, I'd like to audition for this role. And they're going to say, we don't know if you have it. And they're going to go, well, okay, okay you know, I'll, I'll try harder next time. You get the arrogant narcissist guy and he's going to be like, no, 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 you're wrong. I am the best and I'm going to prove it to you. And they're like, this guy's got energy. Those people are going to rise to the top. And that's one of the challenges we face, I suppose, with the free market is that snake oil salesmen, con artists, arrogant narcissists are the ones who end up gaining tons and tons of power. And rarely do you find someone who... uh doesn't have those qualities, but just does a really good job. Or I should say not rarely, but less often. I mean, yeah, they, they get bored or they, they, they feel like they've accomplished something and they just want to go live their life. They don't really care about controlling things and, and they've done their thing. There are a lot of people, many people I follow on Twitter, for instance, and yeah, they, they, they do really well and they're like, well, you know, I, I did my thing and I don't want to be the boss. I don't want to be in charge and they dip out. It's like the, the killer instinct probably is what they call it that comes from our past hunting like if you were if you didn't have that killer instinct and you couldn't hunt properly then you're you would die 
and you didn't but the ones that could hunt and kill and then kill the their their opponents so that their village didn't get raided and murdered then they survived so now there's this killer instinct in business which is like maybe we were doing it wrong uh, that's why I'm doing free software anyway I think it's I think I think it's wrong I don't, I don't understand locking down a, all I, the money it doesn't make sense I always go back to culture is 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 the most important if if we if if as a culture people were into open source and Linux and stuff, Bill Gates would lose all his power and he'd be like the Wicked Witch of the West melting. Like, Ew! people adopting Linux across the board would be incredible for so that we, reason. We got to explain it. You said Graphene OS. So you get an Android phone, you, you flash Graphene OS onto it, which basically means you erase the operating system and reinstall a new one, um, which right. is an open source software called Graphene OS. Right, right. It's uh, This guy, Daniel McKay, is doing Graphene OS and there's a few other groups doing similar things with the Android open source project. Um, so one, these things we have to understand, we need to make these things better before we're going to get tens of millions of people using them, which is what I, you know, I want there to be, I want there to be hundreds of millions of people using software that is not locked down by the oligopoly. How, how do you do it? How do you uh, flash a, a new software operating system on your phone? Um, it's, I just did it. It was, uh, not easy. I, I bought the phone they told me to buy. It turned out that it was locked down at some point in the history of the, uh, phone because it was refurbished. So I had to get another phone. Um, you know, you, you go through the, you can go through the, the, the instructions at the Graphene OS site. It's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty straightforward. <clears throat> like your grandmother could probably do it or your, your mother-in-law could probably do it if she has the right phone. Like, and it's, it's still going to not work as well as you want, though. It's worth it. I love it. I, I most of the phones I've had throughout my life, except for, except for iPhone, I can't stand iPhone. Would I would always put on some either bare bones Android operating system, just gut all of the bloat and the garbage that they put into it, and then just get that base system, or using something you know like graphene. There's, there's been a whole bunch throughout the history of Android that are just better, simpler, cleaner, safer, etc. What are some problems with it? You were saying that sometimes it doesn't work as good. What's a problem with it? Yeah, I mean that's that's the problem. I mean, do you, do you have uh, problems with like Uber working with your phones, Tim? What was that? Like, have you, does Uber work well with your phone? Like a lot of these. So some of Okay, yeah. So some of these <laughs> some of these apps that people expect to work won't work, especially notif- no, anything very notification heavy. You know, those rely on Google's uh, services to work that uh, well. Right, right. So is that a monopoly? Google's notification system? Uh, it's not quite a monopoly, but it's one of these things that, as we like to say, the, the so- Google software is much more delightful, both for the user and the, and the developer. Um, so it, there's a long way to come in that. A big. And that's re- not a slight against Graphene or any of these other groups. They're doing fantastic work. I, I've been using Windows since ninety. 90- Three or ninety-two, Windows three point one, and uh, it's because of video games. I use Steam, and I couldn't game on Linux for like late nineties, I mean, early two thousands. I mean, Valve is doing a lot of great work trying to make Linux work well for games, and I, I think that like I'm a gamer, like like I I started out doing games for Yahoo, um, so I love what Valve's doing to try to make Linux better for games. But it just does kind of hammer home how difficult this problem is that Valve is this super. Super powerful. I consider them to be like one of the better companies that's kind of on the more independent side of things with Steam being so popular. They have not been able to de- deliver a successful Linux product yet. They're trying now with the Steam Deck. Um, hopefully that works. I want to jump to some current events from today and talk about the ramifications of this control and these oligarchs and where we're currently at. Because it's a hard segue into more political stuff, but I think all of this is tied together in the culture war. From TimCast.com, 
Court rules anyone charged as an insurrectionist can be barred from political office. The decision comes after North Carolina voters challenged Madison Cawthorn's reelection bid. To put it simply, we thought that this was crushed because Democrats are basically trying to make it so that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Madison Cawthorn cannot run for reelection. What ends up happening is the court says, because of this clemency act or whatever in 1872, you can't use this against people anymore. Now a federal court says, a federal court says, now actually you can. So one of the things we end up seeing from all of this manipulation and control on social media, they're trying to craft the narrative. They've been trying as hard as possible. Before free, you know, an open internet, <clears throat> before we all were, were, our culture developed on, on the internet, the big uh, networks controlled everything. If they said it, it was true. And that's power. The media has been desperately trying to claim that all of these Republicans are insurrectionists simply because they voted not to certify election results because they wanted an investigation or who knows why they did it. You also had, I think, half the states in a lawsuit against the other half of the states at one point with Texas leading the charge, t- taking issue with how the election was handled in 2020. Now they're trying to argue that that everything that uh, happened was an insurrection and therefore 147 Republicans can be barred from office. I, I got to say, just the fact that there is a vote to to verify the election results means that you can vote yes or no. They, they have a vote on purpose, so it doesn't matter how you vote on that. Well, this is this is the crazy thing that I think we see with everything. Mm-hmm. Why is it that they they don't want free speech? Because they don't want a fair playing field. They don't want to have to deal with proving themselves right. Why are they going after uh, the this this 14th Amendment thing? Because they're going to lose. They know they're going to lose. We are we are dealing with an establishment. It's 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 the big tech companies, the media companies, the Democratic Party, many Republicans as well. They're part of the establishment, and their goal is just to maintain control and power by any means necessary. Is this true that so it's just being charged with this? It's not even being convicted. It's just being charged can bar someone, even if they're found innocent. Well, being charged for insurrection is is nebulous. It's what does it mean? I don't know. The what media, is- the media said, def- the media has repeatedly said definitively that certain people have committed insurrection. They're just, they're just outright saying it. And that's why they tried arguing. They, they, they tried suing saying, no, Madison Cawthorn can't run because by speaking at this event, he engaged in insurrection. Man, I'm, I'm using Brave and I'm using the Brave search, Brave browser, Brave search. I just typed in insurrection to get a definition. The, on the right, 2021 United States Capitol attack, attack comes up. It says attack. Like this is mass media manipulation in my face, and it's brave. What do we? What just insurrection? And they just assume that I'm. I need well, to look I at mean, this. I suppose you can say some people, a lot of people there did attack. You know, I guess. I mean, it's propaganda, right? You say attack on one side, and you say protest on the other side. Yep, and whoever controls the narrative is going to control the outcome. And it, taken to its, its logical conclusion, yeah, you wind up with one of the constitution, the sovereign constitutional branches of government, democratic branches of government, uh, having its sovereignty uh, replaced with with that of, of another, whatever you want to call this other uh, media branch or, or whoever whoever's going to decide um, what is an insurrection in the public eye, uh, they are able to decide when um, what we would take as the the unlimited sovereignty of Congress to vote how it will be to to impose its will on the other two branches as laid out in the Constitution comes to an end, and uh, I mean that's scary. This is why our ability to speak freely in the public is so important. For the longest time, you spoke in the public, or I mean, actually, for the longest time, people would go to churches and they would talk to each other. You also had physical events, but you did have media controlling a large share of what people thought was true, and they just blindly believed it. 
Now with the internet, they're trying to lock down. I think they were surprised by 2016. They didn't realize how powerful the internet was going to be. That people basically memed Trump into the presidency. They have to stop it. So they go after Alex Jones. They go after, you know, Milo. They go after Laura Loomer. All of these people who are on the right, who are loud and generating tons of attention. All of a sudden we see one day Alex Jones gets purged from basically every single, from, from app stores, from podcasts, from every social platform. There's no way that wasn't coordinated. You can see the coordination too when one network will ban it and then within like a week, another network bans it. You could just be say that like maybe Facebook watched Twitter ban him and was like, we're going to follow suit. But I got a feeling, I mean, you were in Silicon Valley. You'd know better than anyone. I actually think it was more they're just kind of like this group think. And like with Alex Jones, Alex Jones is probably the best example of this where like within a day, like he was removed from three or four platforms. Yeah. I feel like there was just so much, so many people whining to get rid of Alex Jones at those companies. As soon as one of them actually like, like dove into the pool, they all just kind of followed automatically afterwards. So I don't, I, I guess maybe I'm a bit of a skeptic on like that they had like a, a boardroom meeting where they all decided now is when we ban Alex Jones. Right. It's just more but, group thing. Like if they but, had like a no, meeting no, no. in like Davos, Switzerland or something yeah. to decide all that stuff, that'd I be think crazy. It, I think it's the middle ground. I don't think that they all had, you know, they, they pressed a button to go to the sub basement where all of the big tech buildings meet and they sit in the council chamber with torches or anything like yeah. that. I think they went out to lunch. And they were like, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you guys doing over at Twitter about this Alex Jones thing? And they're like, well, we don't yeah, know. Exactly. What, are, what are you guys over at Facebook doing? What were we thinking about banning him? And then, you know, a handful of guys who were from different departments were talking. They went back and said, this is what they're going to do. And so then when one person did it, okay. And then everyone does it because they walk in lockstep with each other. Yeah, they're probably, probably like one of, them, one of them texts their friend over in the same department at a other company and says, we finally got rid of Alex Jones. Yep. And, and then they, they text their friends at the, the you know. New York Times and Washington Post as well. They say, this is what we're going to do. And then those people get in touch with the PR department of the tech company that hasn't done taken the same action. says, did you know, you know we, that these other platforms are going to ban them? What are you doing? Are you going to allow this to continue on yours exclusively? Yep. And the nail that sticks out gets hammered, and they know that. I, uh, if there is one, one profession that I, I, I would say I despise more than anything, it's probably journalists. Because like the actual real profession is, is honorable, noble, and important. That's not what we have today in any, in any sense of the imagination. I mean, you've got a handful. You've got, you know, maybe a handful of people over at Breitbart, Alan Bakari, for instance, friend of ours who's done great reporting on the tech censorship stuff. You've got good journalists who really do work at a lot of mainstream corporate press. That's a fact. Like local outlets especially. They do, they, they do their job. A lot of reporting is like, you know, the local fire department is being shut down for renovations and they're telling their local community. All that's fantastic. But we have at the highest level exactly what you just described, where a journalist will reach out and say, hi, I'm calling from the New York Times, and I'm just wondering why you support white supremacy by allowing Alex Jones on your platform. We're going to write that you are Klansmen, by the way. And then the company freaks out, and they're like, no, 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 we'll, we'll ban him, we'll ban him, please leave us alone. Please don't wield the power of your you know, millions of views or whatever against us. I wonder if it's more... Uh, more coordinated because I'm looking at who owns Meta, which is Facebook's parent company. Well, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street. Those are the three of the top four. There's also Fidelity Management. Who owns Alphabet, the parent company of Google? Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street. Yeah. Uh, so is it the, the, the corporate CEOs of these companies? Are there even CEOs? Because these companies own each other when you start to look into it. You're like, who runs what? Like, is it just 20 dudes sitting in their mountain base? Like, okay, now we're making – like, do they decide Facebook's going to ban Alex Jones or was that Mark? Who makes that decision? These guys own 20% of the company. 
these these three these three corporations own almost twenty percent of these companies, both of them. I, and it's just a question I maybe can't be answered because that's they've obfuscated it on purpose. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's potential. There's a lot more collusion coming from the top up. Uh, you know, I would say this. You know, the CEOs of these companies do have to be good to be successful. So they they have a fair amount of independence. Uh, good. Uh, that's an interesting word. Good. Well, well. Effective. They have to be good managers. They have to be able to juggle a lot of balls. Um, I mean, if you look at what Bill Gates is funding, there's coordination. Not not in the sense maybe where these companies, like I said, you know, go to the sub basement, have a cabal meeting, or anything like that. But it's not as complicated as people might think it is when they say, "Oh, you're believing conspiracies." Oh, that's nonsense. No, no, no. Look, a rich dude hires people who do does the things that he likes. So, uh, I mean, look, Fudo wants to hire programmers to, you know, get them out of Silicon Valley. Bill Gates wants to hire people and give access to resources who don't believe in free speech and want to reduce the population. So reduce population growth, to be more specific. So he is going to hire people who are powerfully advocating for these things and empower what he wants. And he's got the resources to do it. So then he gives money to a bunch of different groups. All of those groups agree. All of those groups join forces. And now you've got this coordinated, massive wave of companies, many of them focusing in different areas, but now they're coalescing around one thing. Elon Musk bad. There's a coordination, be it on accident or otherwise. Yeah. And you guys seem to have figured out that bitching about it isn't the answer. You got to create a parallel system with Fudo. Um, yeah, base. I mean, I wouldn't say a parallel system. Certainly I would like for Fudo to be a, uh, one of the things about Google that is really nice is just you have so many smart engineers around you who kind of know how various things work. We would love for Futo to develop into that kind of organization where you you can actually quit Google and not just be isolated by yourself um, without um, without kind of any of that knowledge to feed off of in your work. Tell me an example of like if a developer came to Futo and they started getting involved, what would it be like for them? Um, well. Ideally, they would like for, for, say you needed to know how to uh, do some GPU programming that's very, very obscure. And right now, only a few people who work on like low-level Android code or who work at you know Qualcomm know. Like there would actually be somebody at Futo that like we would ha- we would have that they could talk to and like get that information about how to program their computer. You guys should talk to James O'Keefe. Okay. Yeah. Well, sure. then, then when all the whistleblowers come to him, he can just be <laughs> like, right this way, gentlemen, here's some jobs. Would they like re, um, relocate to Texas or would they be able to work remote? Both, both, whatever they, yeah, it, it can be virtual and in person where our headquarters are in Texas. Though, are, so are you hiring? Because I know you'd mentioned before the show, it's kind of like a Y Combinator style, like, um, like, um, what are those called? Like an incubator yeah. incubator. So we got, we have a couple of different initiatives on first. We are trying to hire full time engineers. We have, we, our first and foremost, an engineering firm. We have a couple of projects underway in house and we'd like to have more. That's sort of, we're doing for regular hiring like that. We're also doing a Y Combinator style, if you will, grant program, uh, this summer in Austin, Texas. It's residential. We're going to have a cool house to stay in, incubator space, lots of support. Uh, we're going to select three teams of up to five engineers, uh, $20,000 for each team member. No strings attached. We don't want equity. We just want people working on cool stuff that creates viable tech alternatives. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. 
but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is, the, so I want to pull up this other story from Elon Musk about his, his, uh, his his plans for a legal effort, but we're talk we got to talk about solutions to you know what's happening with politics, culture, and all that stuff. Hearing you guys mention that you're giving grants to people, like just no strings attached, no equity, just you know do the work. Basically, is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, if you're working on something cool, yeah. One of the big challenges when we look at Project Veritas, James O'Keefe comes out. He says, "Be brave." We've got obviously at these companies, there's censorship. Obviously, they're not being honest. We just had this expose where there's this this uh, this engineer at uh, at Twitter talking to his date saying, "Oh yeah, they're censoring the right all the time. Why are these people not coming out and being like, "Yo, they're lying when they go to Congress and say these things. They're lying under oath." I think one of the reasons is they're scared. Many people say this. They say it all the time. I got kids, man. I can't. I can't just up and dip. So. I often talk about infrastructure being a key element to, you know, getting away from Silicon Valley. So Rumble, for instance, I'm a fan. Uh, we use their video player for the website members only section, and we use their cloud services for our website. And we're integrating more non-Silicon Valley infrastructure into the website. We have more plans. We'll announce those as soon as we have them ready to create competition, to push back. That's another big move. If people are going to be able to blow the whistle and come out and just give, maybe it's not James O'Keefe, maybe it's any any news organization, and be like, here's documents proving it, there has to be a place for them to exist. There, there has to be something telling them, you can find work, you can be supported, you will not be thrown to the wolves just by coming out. You're not sacrificing yourself. Doing the right thing actually could benefit you. It actually could be really great for your career. All of a sudden, you'll be getting a better job. But I want to pull up these, this tweet thread from Elon Musk from the 20th. Check this out. He says, Tesla is building a hardcore litigation department where we directly initiate and ex- execute lawsuits. The team will report directly to me. Please send three to five bullet points describing evidence of exceptional ability. Justice at Tesla.com. He says, my commitment, we will never seek victory in a just case against us, even if we probably win, even if we will probably win. We will never surrender, settle an unjust case against us, even if we will probably lose. Please include links to cases you have tried. He says, looking for hardcore street fighters, not white shoe lawyers like Perkins or Cooley who thrive on corruption. There will be blood. Sounds like he was watching the show last <laughs> night. Yeah, we do need well, more Well, this is from four like days ago. Oh, nice. This, this, is, this is from four days this ago. This is the man. sentiment, man. We need lawyers that are willing to lose, that are willing to take a chance. This is what one of the things that frustrates me in, in all of the, the conversations are people saying there's, oh, don't. I, I've every single time 
I've been defamed. Every time there's been some question of Section 230, every lawyer I've spoken with has been like, there's no point in trying. Don't do it. Elon Musk certainly has the funds to be like, don't know, don't care. Here's the money. Have fun. That's what we need. We need real solutions to all of these issues that are happening. So I'm curious what you guys think about the legal side of things in terms of suing or going after, you know, we, we, we had talked privately about Section 230. I mean, I'll defer to Ian here, who's a, a le- lawyer I'm by a, training. I'm a lawyer by training. I no longer practice, so I won't, I won't give direct legal takes. But I mean, obviously, uh, litigation is a huge part of this. You know, we just had the um, the Fifth Circuit rule um, in a preliminary motion in the uh, lawsuit to enjoin uh, the um, t- social media law they passed. That could have a huge impact. There's a, a similar case on with a similar but not quite as powerful law in Florida that's on. I mean, th- these things are important in themselves, but they're also the culmination of, of, at this point, really five or six years of litigation around this very issue, around 230, around free speech, around um, the power of social media networks and so on. Um, and he's absolutely right. Uh, the, the entire industry is coalesced around this. You have um, these industry associations that are spending a, a large amount of money on lawyers to fight because they, they do know how, how impactful it could be. And, you know, at FUDO, we're not directly involved in any litigation. You know, we kind of are focused on the technology side, but we know that it is a, a multi-pronged uh, fight and that th- those, uh, those lawsuits are very important. How do you feel about copyright law from the past being used in future tech, like with social media technology and things like that? Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to defer to Aaron on, on intellectual property law in particular because he has some, some – but I'll just say that that's been an issue from – uh, for 25 years. The very first political issue I, I ever remember being engaged in, I mean, I was, what, nine years old or something, was, you know, the DMCA had just passed. Uh, and if you remember, uh, DCSS uh, was a um, uh, a very a very simple piece of software that allowed you to decode a DVD on, on a device without having paid the license fee for a DVD player. Uh, and this qual- was one of the first things that they went after as a, um, a copy uh, copyright-breaking tool under the DMCA, which allowed you to, to shut it down. Um, and that, I mean, right there is a um, is a huge. They were, that is a use of a, a copyright enforcement mechanism uh, to um, limit the freedom, and uh, you know, not not necessarily just to protect a copyright holder, but to to go after the entire universe of of freely flowing tech and information and so on. And I think that that's a principle that extends more broadly. The same technology that's used to enforce copyright or intellectual property can and it often is used uh, to enforce restrictions on free speech, on the flow of information, and on the use of technology in general. That's one of the big challenges with uh, the copyright stuff that has happened with social media. Is I, had a, I had a tweet that was absolutely fair use, get taken down under copyright, and what do you do? There, the, the, the challenge is that I, I kind of feel like no matter what you do, the person with the most power wins. If you've got the money, you're going to win. That's just about it. I mean, maybe you might get lucky and, and, and get a, a good judge and, and fight your way through. But, you know, even in the instance of James O'Keefe fighting defamation cases, he needs to raise like a million, two million dollars to even try to go after these these big companies. And then you just have the courts are always, you know, often siding with the people who are defaming or the big tech or the establishment or something like that. This is one of the biggest challenges that it feels like even it feels like I'm fighting an uphill battle because. Uh, we, we uh, You know, I've talked about Wikipedia quite a bit. How fractured the system is, how it makes literally no sense, but they have so much money. How do you compete with that as an individual? It just doesn't seem to make sense. You need capital, that's for sure, because it's like a war of attrition in court. You, it's, it's how long can I pay all these lawyers to stay in this courthouse and keep talking? No one really cares if they win or lose. They're all getting paid. As long as you've got the money to pay them, 
So you either need people to work for free, which is a form of capital, or money. Social currency, getting a lot of people who believe in you just to, to you know, focus fire their efforts and their, and their labor towards something more powerful, I guess. I want to I I mention an idea to you. So, uh, Ian, you're, you're a lawyer by training. Yeah. I want to ask you your thoughts on this. What if we made a, uh, a website where as soon as you load it, you are placed in a queue where you can write one word and 5,000 people all write one word? Who's sued for defamation when you write a story claiming that Nancy Pelosi eats dogs? <laughs> it's a tough one. I see what you're getting in here that, you know, what you're running there is an interactive computer service, which is protected from defamation under, uh, you know, CDA Section 230. And each individual yeah. made no statement. Right. Writing the right. word dog. I didn't say anything. All I wrote was dog. You can't sue me, can you? It's it's a very interesting, like, that could be a good law school, law school hypothetical. All right. I'm, we, need, I'm, we need some coders. If you're a developer, we're going to create this interactive website where uh, it starts with a queue. I mentioned this the other day. And then everyone from your, from your position, you know, you like if you're the first person in, you're number one. You get the first word. We'll just let everybody like fork it whenever they want and you'll be guaranteed to get whatever, whatever <laughs> insane sentence you want. And then as an editor, you could pick the one that you want to show. Exactly. Yeah. And then we'll feature whichever one that comes up. So you might have an article that says like Nancy Pelosi, run, jump, car, drive fast. And you're just like, that's nonsense. And then you'll finally get one that says Nancy Pelosi ate a dog because people just did. Oh, like Mad Libs. Yeah. Kind of. Digital Mad Libs. Every single word. What if you tell them this has to be a verb? Then are you all of a sudden an editor? Then you'll get sued because you're telling them to write a verb or a noun because that'll help it flow. Oh, that's interesting. I think we're onto something. I mean, what if I wrote Nancy Pelosi? What if what if we did an actual ad lib, where you know, Mad Lib or whatever it's called, where it's like Nancy Pelosi blanked a blank, and then some random person could put a word in. I didn't write the sentence, right? I put blanks. Someone else put. The, can you? Could, would I be able to be sued for defamation? Uh, I'm I'm not definitely not an expert in defamation law. It seems it seems like a difficult case to me. You know, it's gonna it's gonna hinge on a lot of things. But yeah, uh, I'm. I mean, the problem is your your website. It would be hard for you to get enough clout for your website for people to, you know, believe what it said, as no, opposed it, to Wikipedia, where it kind of has a lot of clout now. Right? Sure, sure. I just think, you know, we'll be allowed to post all of this stuff. Sure. Like, I'll put it on Twitter to a million, 1.3 million people and let them share it. And then what is anyone going to say to me? They're going to be like, you can't say that. And I'll be like, I'm just sharing a story from, you know, people. You can't sue me for it. It's not my... Or I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out and I'll put, what a crazy story, Right. And then everyone will see the headline, and uh, and then what? What can they I do mean, about it? If it ever there's, got there's a question whether it's defamation. Like if, if it is a website where these things truly are random people posting words, I think there's some question as to whether it is actually, even if it is something nasty that comes up eventually, uh, as to whether it is like defamation, you know, as opposed to uh, people would not take it, and if no one would take it as such, you know, um, uh, you know, there's a certain point at which it's obviously satire and not not meant as a statement. Uh, what but, if? I only allowed a handful of words like Nancy, Pelosi, <laughs> eats, and dog. Dog eats Nancy Pelosi. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever combination of the words I you I love want. you, Nancy. I'm just but, kidding. Like, what if it turns out to be true? That's the real. That's the, <laughs> that's the, yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, I don't, I don't those, know. Those I'm, 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 I'm joking, yeah. but I mean, I just I look at what's going on with big tech and how they're basically invincible, how they have these laws that for us, we get spat on, we get pissed on, we get stepped on, and then Wikipedia can just do whatever the hell they want. That, that, that can't be. That, that just cannot be.
It's when it says from Wikipedia that it gets starts to get real fishy for me. Like if it was if they were clear, like this is all community and they they linked to the the screen names of the people that put the little pieces in and stuff. That's a different story. Except someone could write on Wikipedia, Nancy Pelosi eats chicken. Another person can go in and change chicken to dog and they've made no statement. You can't sue that person because they've made no statement. The person who said she eats chicken, maybe that's true. The person who changed chicken to dog did not make a statement. They just said the word dog. You can't sue someone for saying a single word. There's no defamation there. Wikipedia needs to be sued into oblivion because it is them. They have automated the editorial process under their own byline. And this this argument that they're protected under Section 230 makes absolutely no sense. You know what? We need. So uh, how do we how do we do this? Do we set up a go? Uh, well, a go a give send go, raise a couple million bucks. Find someone with standing and say, have fun. Is that is that allowed? Is that legal? I mean, you've had I mean, my my preference would be to solve this technically and like build a better product than Wikipedia. But um, it's, it's, it's it, see, I, I just I, I disagree. I think culture is the issue that regular people know Wikipedia, use Wikipedia. Google has integrated Wikipedia and in every facet. This machine is here. And they are clearly violating, at the very least, the spirit of the law. But I, I believe technically, like, in a technical standpoint, they're, they're, you know, totally open to being sued. Someone just needs to do it. Where's James O'Keefe? Someone call me. Call James. Chilling, James, yeah. what are you doing? I mean, there's been lawsuits, right? So, I mean, they happen and Wikipedia will settle. I just, we need... Wikipedia will change it even if I, they have, feel like they have to. Well, they should change yeah. it. I mean, that's the goal, right? Get them to change it so they stop allowing this. Because right now, I do not understand how Wikipedia can can publish such false statements. I mean, look, the the, the Project Veritas article on Wikipedia is clearly an opinion piece. It's it's outrageous how how much opinion it is. They they are this that or otherwise and conspiracy. This, and it's, it's it's loaded with fake news. It's it's loaded with provenly false claims, and it's from Wikipedia. James, you got to sue. Maybe we shouldn't be able to have people on Wikipedia. They shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to have a person's uh, page or a, or a corporation's page on Wikipedia. Because like in Encyclopedia Britannica, they didn't have like people. It would just be things. Well, I mean, I you had. I think, I think there's had... maybe no living people at some. Don't, I'm not actually sure about that, but I think maybe it, at some point it was no living people. But I I could be wrong. Okay. What were you saying? I just, I mean, you've had Larry Sanger on. I mean, he's working on this. We're, we're actually, Futo is, did a grant for his organization to try to fix this. I, 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 I kind of agree with you. Like, like Wikipedia owns the culture right now. And like, it's, it's, it's hard Google. to solve. Like still like, you know, this is a hard work. And like as Futo as a tech organization, we want to try to create technical solutions. I do feel like there is some ways we can chip away at Wikipedia. Clearly free speech has already weakened their stature in the culture there's many people who like know that wikipedia's propaganda on any kind of contentious issue what i would like to see as from the technical solution would be some sort of way for dissenting editors at wikipedia to very very easily fork it and have their own kind of wiki have their own articles show up and have you know Building this product is one of the trickier things. I consider Wikipedia to be a very special case of social media. It's crowdsourced. It's a bunch of editors, like you said, making diffs to articles, right? But it still is very much, you know, crowdsourced from millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people. It all comes in. How can we get, get it so that, like, those contributions are more uh, ubiquitous 
for the world and like different editors can decide different editor organizations can decide who which editors should be banned and which shouldn't and the dissenting side in any kind of these wikipedia edit wars actually has a viable thing that people will find. And that's, that's, those are the sorts of things that Larry's working on with his, his organization. You could have like a page with all these overlays that would pop up with different percentages of how accurate are each overlay relative to these editors. Like if an editor has a, a 72% rating, then they're going to affect their overlay that they edited. And then you'd be able to sort all the overlays on like dog, the Wikipedia thing of like Hillary Clinton or whatever. Right. And then, so you'd see like 900,000 Hillary Clinton Wikipedia pages on top of each other. And then you'd sort them by the ones with the most trusted editors. And you'd sort that one to the top. Maybe. I think the issue is the most trusted editors would be 50-50 if that, right? So I, I once I was talking with a group of people way back in the day about a, a journalist rating system or a news organization rating system. One of the things we want to do with our, our, our fact-checking nonprofit is create a browser extension and then actually hire the fact-checkers fact checkers to do to rate various news outlets based on violations of journalistic ethics. One of the ideas has always been, what if you create like a meter showing like how much do we trust a journalist? Okay, well, if they write for Breitbart, they're going to get a zero, right? Because every mainstream, every liberal Democrat person is going to be like liar, 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 liar. At best, you could hope for 50-50. But that means you need like if I came out and said Joe Biden uh, uh, is corrupt you know, has engaged in overt corruption with the uh, Ukraine scandal, saying fire the prosecutor. I mean, that is a statement of fact. When they claimed that Donald Trump was trying to st get a quid pro quo in Ukraine, Joe Biden did literally that, going to, going to the president saying fire the prosecutor or you're not getting a billion dollars in loan guarantees. It's exactly what they claimed it was. So it's corruption. He's just not been held accountable for it. If I say that people on the left are going to say either knowingly the, the, uh, or I should say that willfully, they'll call me a liar knowing it's true because they want political power. So they'll say, oh, that story from Tim Pool is false, minus one. Then you're going to get a bunch of other Democrats and Antifa types who are going to be like, that's not true. I heard on CNN, minus one. You're hoping then that if a thousand of these people rate, downrate you, that some conservative who knows it's true is going to uprate you, or at the very least, you'll end up with conservatives saying, I believe that's true, whether it is or not. It's going to be the inverse version of the same thing. So we need a trustless way to identify their value. Um, maybe if people don't realize they're rating the articles or the individuals that edit the articles, but they're, they're either maybe with, with crypto. Um, I like the trustless smart. I, I contracts. I'm kind of throwing out buzzwords here. I gotta be, I gotta be a little more, uh, pessimistic though. I think the issue is culture. It doesn't matter if you're gonna say a journalist is trusted or not. What matters is what the culture wants, believes, and expects. And right now we have two very distinct cultures in this country that will never come together. I think it's natural. Resistance is natural human, um, evolution. It's part of our evolution, our nature. I, you'll always have people saying that you're wrong and always have people saying you're right. For well, the most but part. things are things are different. I mean, it used to be that there were Democrats and Republicans. They'd argue with each other, but they were all Americans. They'd all come out for the Fourth of July and be like, "Oh, you know, I don't agree with that stuff." But hey, America, America, right? Now you've got people that CNN, for instance, all these big news outlets know for a fact they're never going to sell to a Trump supporter, so they have absolutely zero reason to be honest about Trump and his supporters. If they know their bread is being buttered by a bunch of, you know, left activists, why would they ever tell the truth on Trump? I mean, right now, Jim Acosta, you know, he, he did a segment the other day where he claimed Donald Trump appears to have been calling for civil war. 
which is just BS. It's not true. Trump retweeted basically a guy who said the words civil war. I don't know what that means. It's like, you, you want the news story? Here's the facts. Donald Trump reposts comment that says civil war. That's it. Take for it what you will. That's the fact. The opinion is, was he calling for it? Was he predicting it? Was he scared? Of it? I have no idea. But Jim Acosta, CNN, all these big mainstream outlets say he's either calling for it or predicting it. That's not true. None of that is true. That's all opinion. But they know there's no one, for the most part, who is buying from them for truth. Everybody wants their, their confirmation bias. Everyone, no matter where you come from. Now, I think there's a tendency more so on the right to associate with those who are right. You know, post-liberals, moderates, libertarians, and conservatives, whatever the freedom space is. You have more people who are like, no, 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 just tell me what's true. The left, for the most part, has gone full zealot, as far as I can tell. I don't like the word true, truth anymore. I, I used to be a zealot about what was true. And I'd be like, it is the, the one true something. And I'm just like, come on, Ian, you don't know. Like, get over yourself. And also the word trust. I don't think humans trust each other. We're wild animals. We've domesticated each other. We're kind of sit in peace together with like pretending like we know we're not going to hurt each other, but like doesn't mean it's never going to happen, you know? So we live in this idea of truth and trust, which is just like 100%. They're, they're extremes that don't exist. And so we I, should code our, our stuff that way too. And trust can be, can be in a way counterproductive. Let me explain that just briefly. The, um, I've talked to several people who grew up, you know, behind the Iron Curtain. And what they always say about that is, you know, we knew our news was fake. We knew the newspapers were, were nonsense. But, uh, and in a way, that's, that's sort of because there was no trust. They knew that, okay, you have to read between the lines. You have to really think about this. In this, uh, in this country, um, for better or for worse, we used to have much more trust in media and our institutions. And I think part of that is technological. You know, that we had an era where the, the main means of media distribution were the broadcast television channels, a few major newspapers that were sort of had, had a, uh, a legal interest in being, I, I don't want to use the word objective that, that strongly, but uh, new, more neutral. Um, and we don't have that, and we sort of carried over this uh, unwarranted trust. And as that's, that's broken down, I think people look at, at things, even, even Wikipedia, I think, with a, with a more skeptical eye. Um, and, you know, if you can shore that up, uh, the people's, uh, you know, if you can find things that people can trust, I think you do, you do a service. I like, well, I think trustless, they talk about like, um, like smart contracts, crypto smart contracts are trustless because you don't have to trust that giving your money to the guy, he's going to do the thing that you gave him the money to do. It just automatically happens. So you, you remove that, that level of trust. Um, like, I get like trusting your parents. If you don't trust your parents, I mean, w the world's going to seem like it wants to kill you every moment you're, you're living in it. But if you can trust your parents, it's still like, doesn't mean they're never going to turn on you, but it's just like uh, an acceptance. Like when I step on my foot's not going to go through the ground. I, I trust that I'm going to land on solid ground. Um, I guess it's just not an ideal. Like, like what do we have well, to trust ev something? Every you, individual you, should be allowed to decide on their own who they trust. Right. I mean, Based on what parameters? Everybody gets to decide through their interactions with them, right? It, it's not, we can't have a top-down approach to trust where we're told to trust certain people. I kind of feel like there, there may be an inevitability in the hyperpolarization, though I think it's possible that the tech oligarchs, the censorship has exacerbated this by banning only some people. I kind of feel like we saw early on in the internet tribes were forming where people like to rag on each other. There's a video that I talk about often called This Video Will Make You Angry by CGP Grey, 
where he mentions that communities don't actually argue with each other. They argue amongst themselves about the other and they get riled up and get angrier and angrier about it. And this tribalism eventually leads to conflict. So I wonder if, if, do you think that's an inevitability in, in it with the internet? I mean, the culture war itself arising out of these tribes that have formed where everyone hates each other. I mean, yeah, I mean, human nature, we see it with sports teams, everything like it's an, it's inevitable, but doesn't, how do you stop it from getting to the point where people are killing each other? This is this is a, a philosophical point, but I, I think that um, yes, if you do have a, uh, I don't know if you call it a free market for, but if you do have uh, different groups able to trust who they want uh, and and able to to use an alternative technology when they want to get the information they do, I think that you have. I understand that that can lead to problems, but I think it leads to fewer problems than one of, uh, like you say, this top-down enforcement of trust where inevitably one tribe or one side or another is going to feel this intense resentment. Uh, I, I think that's when things get really dangerous, when, when people are, you know, are confirmed in their belief that, they're, that everything is against them. Well, let's talk about this. We've got a story from The Independent. Put people in jail. Former Fox reporter calls for arrests over right wing's great replacement theory. Tucker Carlson responded saying this is going to get really ugly really soon, slamming ex-Fox News colleague who suggested he should be in jail or something worse. What's something worse, Carlson asked his audience after airing a clip of the remarks from the former reporter Cameron made uh, over the weekend to CNN. We're not sure what something worse is, but it certainly feels like we're moving toward it at a very high speed at this point. Rhetoric has its own internal logic. We've experienced it. We can talk ourselves into things. Democrats are doing it right now. And what they're talking themselves into right now is, quote, something worse. It's scary. It's time to pull back. It's time to deescalate. Otherwise, this is going to get really ugly really soon. So, um, you know, should I say the magic word, civil war? You can always say it. I mean, I would I would hope that everybody ignores um, people like that on the extreme. They don't. Right. I mean, this, Not, this some people do. It. Some people don't. Right. Like, you know, I have de- I, my friends from Silicon Valley are all Democrats, but. They're not going to say Tucker Carlson should be executed for talking about replacement theory. But are they uh, are they active in politics? Are they the, the, the public speakers? No, exactly. So you have on CNN. Here's here's what happens. I, I don't think intent matters on either side as this conflict escalates. This guy goes on CNN. They probably didn't know he was going to say this. He says it. They probably say, OK, well, that's a little over the top. But, you know, we know we don't mean it right. We don't we don't want to go that far. But then Tucker Carlson sees it and then he talks about it and says, look what they're doing. Look what they're saying. And then, of course, people who see that are like, whoa, those people are crazy. So it's 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 exacerbating the problem. It's escalating things, regardless of whether they're being tongue in cheek or hyperbolic or otherwise. Feels like the network should be responsible for these people that are talking on the network. I know it's not a social network, so they don't have, I don't know, 230 uh, imperity, but. They don't they don't they don't care, though, because they know they don't make money from Trump supporters. They have no mm. cultural tie to conservatives, Republicans or libertarians. But this guy's saying something worse. The only thing worse than jail for a criminal is death penalty that I'd know of. I yeah. mean, you either yep. life in prison or death penalty. That's the next thing that's worse. Uh, so what's this guy going CNN and suggesting that someone needs the death penalty for talking on a news ch- channel? And like, now people are going to hear CNN you needs to it. come out and say, speak against that. And so whether whether uh, anyone has the, the full intent of it or not, people will hear us talking about it 
Right. And they're going to be like, man, these CNN people have lost their minds allowing this. Yeah, you Ian, They're going to say Ian's right. They shouldn't allow that. This guy's calling for the death penalty for Tucker Carlson. That's crazy. And then you'll mention my Democrat friends don't believe that. But this is something at the highest level of the conversation. Right, right. I would say that, you know, it's kind of all of our collective responsibility to do what you can. I mean, I, I do what I can to keep my Democrat friends. A lot of them, you know, I'm, I'm an independent and I've still lost a lot of friends, you know, just by being a little bit more outspoken. But try to make an effort to stay friends with people. They're, most people are reasonable. Like, and, you know, if you point out things like this to them, they'll probably be, yeah, that's batshit crazy. I didn't, I thought all the batshit crazy people were on the right. I didn't realize there were batshit crazy people on my side too. Yeah. Uh, pardon the French. Oh, I'll, I'll do, a French. I'll do a little bit, uh, 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 try and do a little, a little bit of that conciliation and say like, look, what he said is, is, is totally legal. I mean, what he's suggesting is ridiculous and unconstitutional and a million other things, but you know, him saying that that should be the penalty for saying things he doesn't, you know, believe or should be said on, on public air. So, I mean, so I guess he can say that. How does he get to that point? How does this guy get to the point where we'd actually say something worse than jailing for talking about an idea pushed by? So I just Maybe want to clarify. He, I want to he cl- should lose his job. I don't know. He said he said go to jail or something like worse. a jail for a week bro, 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 or lose your job. Bro, I don't know. I wouldn't apologize yeah. for it. Well, I would, I'm not. What I would what I would say is these people. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how we solve this because I think they're nuts. And I'll tell you why. It has been many prominent Democrats who have argued for demographic change in an effort to maintain power. When Tucker Carlson points that out, they accuse him of pushing a conspiracy theory. And I'm, I'll say it again. Many Democrats have said immigration is a path towards maintaining political power. Tucker Carlson says, look what they're saying. He shows them saying it. And they say, he has said something so dangerous, he should be jailed or something worse. How do they get to that point? Look, I know Donald Trump said lock her up to Hillary Clinton, right? Maybe that's it. Maybe, Maybe it's inevitable. Hillary Clinton actually did bad things. Joe Biden did bad things. Yeah, but political persecution is not the answer. That's for so sure. What do you, what, but what do you do then? Do you say Hillary Clinton destroyed 30,000 emails, but we're not going to go after her because well, it would he escalate should have, He should say we, she should be charged, not locked up. That, that's the judge to decide or the, the jury. And then everyone says criminally charge my opponent. You criminally charge yours. Everyone says they're right. You know, you mentioned it on the show before. The left says the exact same thing about us that we say about them. And then I pointed out, yeah, but we're right. Like we, when I say Joe Biden... Went to the pro- went to the president of Ukraine and said, "If you don't fire the prosecutor, you're not getting the billion dollar loan guarantees." That's on video. He actually did that. A prosecutor who was investigating Barisma, where his son was on the board, all of that happened. Well, that should be investigated. But then they push things like the Ahmed Arbery lie. The guy who filmed it goes to prison. You know, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd. I mean, all of these things that were embellished. Hands up, don't shoot. Outright, not true. Jussie Smollett. They all believed it. They keep pushing all of these things that are just outright falsehoods. But you have, it's, it's almost like, man, an equal and opposite reaction. As more people get access to the truth through social media, more people join the zealous cult as a, as a, as an equal and opposite reaction. Is that really it? Is there, is there, is the, is the, is that law of thermodynamics just a reality for every element of existence? We have free will. It exists within our energy, but we have free will. Like when something, I think that people are doing too much these days, too fast with politics. Like you don't need to make a change. Like today we're like, what's going on with the news? There's not a lot of news today. Good. Let's live in peace. That's the idea. And, and these, these feelings like they got to legislate and create new law and new law and new law and sign this and that. Like, dude, what? Um, Maybe it's like that, um, 
that episode of Star Trek where Bellot. Which one is that? Is the half white, half black? No, no, okay. no, no. <laughs> where they're uh, they have this this energy pulse slamming into the the Enterprise, and so they're like, oh. raise the shields. And then they're like, the energy pulse is getting stronger. And they keep doing it. And then finally, I think it's, uh, was it Data? Or somebody says, lower the shields. And they're like, are you sure? Do it. And they do. And then the energy wave dissipates. And it was that the more they increased their shields, the more the, ref- the energy reflected back stronger, like a, like a Chinese finger trap. You've got to stop pulling as hard as you can and just push in. Wow. Then you can get your fingers out. Become friends with your enemy. And all of a sudden, there's no conflict. But I, I I wonder if we're right at the point where the, the finger trap has been ripped to shreds and there's no, you know, coming back. I mean, one of the things I, you know, when, when people were really fighting in 2020, I was like, well, let's do Tulsi Gabbard. Like, she would be like the compromise candidate for both parties. And what and did both the left, sides. and what happened yeah. with the left? Yeah, the when I suggested this, my uh, some of my friends uh, on Facebook went apeshit saying she was just a... Uh, an evil Republican, yes. This is this is why I, I say, like, you know, when you say the left has the same thing about us, I'm like, yes, but we're right. It's very simple because I'm not a traditional conservative. I've never been a conservative. And I supported Yang and Tulsi in 2020 trying to find that compromise that the establishment left and the leftists were unwilling to have. So some of my friends were receptive to it, too, too though. So, I mean, yeah, those keep, are, keep trying. Keep but I trying. think I think those for sure, for sure. I think a lot of people who watch this show even were probably like, oh, yeah, I used to vote Democrat. Then we started paying attention. And now we're just like, I'm not interested. I'm not saying Republicans are going to solve your problems. I don't think they are. I think they're going to do a lot of nothing. I like your metaphor about the shields creating more than the finger trap, because it's like if you're angry about what you're communicating because you've been upset by what they did, then they, people can tell and they don't want to listen. But if you're. If you don't have that resistance and you're just stating it, yeah, Biden, you know, he bribed those guys to, to fire that prosecutor so that he Burisma didn't get investigated. That's pretty much that's that's a thing, fact I saw on TV. I, I should say I know, I'm not mad about it. It happened. Why did Biden do it? Well, we can say it, it, it's corruption either way, because telling a foreign country that you will withhold aid to them unless they fire someone, that's a corrupt act. He doesn't have the authority to do that. And they even told him that, and he bragged about it and said, call the president, see what he says. Like, wow, he's bragging about superseding the will of the people. That's crazy. Now, did he do it to protect his son? That's a question that needs to be answered through an investigation. What do we know? The, the prosecutor was investigating Burisma. His son was on the board. Joe Biden did intervene. You want to talk about motives or incentives? I don't care. He did it. So now you investigate, look into emails, determine whether or not he did it to protect his son or not. But either way, like he bragged about doing it. Now, when we say that, Who's telling the truth? I mean, that's a conversation I had with my dad a couple few days ago about the facts because he was like, when he watches this show from time to time, he's like, "Oh, you, you guys are saying wrong. The wrong information is what you're saying is wrong." And I'm like, "Well, what's right? What's true?" There's so much information being shoved into, and he was actually like, "But I mean, what's true? How do you know what's true? You get 80 million different pieces of information from 80 million different sources, and and they're all they're all." Like they might be right, they might be wrong. So it's like we get we get things wrong. Yeah, of I, course. I, but the things we get wrong aren't like core details on major political events. The things we get wrong are like I'll I'll, I'll say a, a caliber of a gun, and then someone will chat and be like, "Tim, you're wrong about that. It's actually this." I'm like, "Oh, that was a mistake." Yeah, but to them, you're in the same category as, as QAnon people who believe all sorts of crazy stuff, right? And we're not right, but that's not and, what they that's not how they see it. But they are. The, 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 the blue anon people and QAnon people, they, 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 they would get along swimmingly in their weird beliefs and things that aren't true. Yeah, you tend to see in others what's in you. I've but look, 
QAnon is fringe. Mainstream conservatives and libertarians aren't entertaining QAnon people. Blue Anon is mainstream Democrat. They believe for years the Ukraine gate, Russia gate stuff that's all been debunked. Yeah, they I mean, I, I agree. Like, uh, you know, I, I would say that in Silicon Valley, the Republicans justifiably lost like any support for the future with like Cheney and Bush. And I would say the same thing today that like the Democrats have equally deserved like no support in the future from any of these. If anybody who's principled, I if, would say quit. What concerns quit me your, about quit that? Quit your party if you're Democrat. But if you sure. if you go to your average Republican and ask them about some crazy conspiracy, they might give you a half baked answer where it's like, well, I don't know, but you know these things I I think are weird, and I read this somewhere. If you go to your mainstream Democrat and ask them about like Russia and stuff, they're probably going to be like, yeah, I think he did it. Sure. And it's like, even though Mueller proved it wasn't true, even though now with the Sussman trial, we're learning about Hillary Clinton's right. role in, in, in signing off on these things. Yeah. They're going to be like, I don't know about that. I mean, first of all, I'm, st- I'm steel manning my friends here, just so you know. But, um, you know, they would say, well, yeah, we know that the, we know that there was all this stuff that's like shady about the, the report, um, that came, came out of England or whatever. But we still know that there's like collusion happening between Trump and, Trump and yep. Russia like we know that he has hotel deals he wants in Moscow and and they'll say stuff like that and you know to some degree you know there's probably you know there's you know you can't be as successful as Donald Trump was without you know having to break, bend the law a I th- little bit in I places think for sure you know and so we 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 talk about uh Trump and the things we actually don't like about his presidency relatively often drone strikes and you know why that happened things like that um, Donald Trump, whether it was him or, or, or someone else, Trump hotels were being advertised on a State Department website. Like, these are bad things. Trump tried to have, I think, the G7 at Trump Doral in Florida. Like, really bad thing. You shouldn't do it. And Trump was like, but I'm going to do it at cost. And I said, so what? You're still maintaining your business through a government contract. I think that's wrong. I got no problem saying that. But then you hear from a lot of these people, they won't even bother watching a show like this. I mean, let alone Google searching half the news that comes out. That, to me... I'm sorry if I'm a little pessimistic in that regard, but I think, you know, we talk about technology and all these things, and I don't think that's the issue. I do think we need technology to be developed because there may come a time when we get cut off completely from Silicon Valley. If a civil war really is coming, or we're in one, fourth, fifth generational warfare, whatever it may be, what do you think is going to happen to the anti-establishment when states start breaking apart? San Francisco is going to be like, eliminate all the IPs from states that we don't like. And then how will you communicate? What will you be using? There's going to need to be something. So that, that, in that sense, technology, that's why right. I, you know, I like Rumble Cloud Service because I'm like, they, they might censor me. So what you said earlier, Aaron, was interesting that, um, Silicon Valley people there got disenfranchised with the Republicans with Bush and Cheney. And then now they're being disenfranchised with this ridiculousness in the Democrats side. I hope so. And, I mean, that'd be my hope. I'm not there anymore. So, but, but what the problem with that is that who, who do they care about now? Well, they care about the corporation. So who's the new authority? The corporation? I mean, if Google thinks it's running the show now because the cor- the politicians are incompetent, that's kind of like maybe even worse. I don't know what's worse, an incompetent president or a corporation that thinks it's in charge. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I would hope that they're still anti-corporation too. I mean, the left was supposed to always be anti-corporation, like from from my entire life, and so yeah, it's, uh, it's now a little, they're pro-corporate. I can't even stop yeah. at Google. It's Alphabet, which is owned by BlackRock. I mean, it's not owned. It's it's in part 
owned by BlackRock State Street Vanguard. Yeah, and that is that is purely a result of the propaganda to like try to scare people about like you know the corporations are our only hope against these evil racists in Kentucky or whatever who you know are gonna you know would be throwing gay people off of buildings if they had their way. Um, so. Well, now there's like a know. big scandal in the UK because they 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 were flying the Union Jack over some street, and all these leftists are like, "This is what the Nazis did," and it's like, "Yo, it's your country's flag." Like, just because the Nazis drank water doesn't mean you shouldn't drink water, you know? I'm thinking about Posobiec. I don't know if you guys heard Jack Posobiec. He was in a. It went to Davos a couple days ago and was detained by by Klaus Schwab's personal guard. I don't know if they were pri- they were private police. They were police. I believe. Yeah, were they private police? No, or Swiss police. It looks like they were just. Cops. I, I was told they were private. I could be wrong. Okay, maybe they, they were. Pol- they were wearing police on their. Yeah. Interests. So maybe it was maybe it was police. Maybe it was corporate security. I don't know. Well, they were wearing police on their u- uniforms. Yeah. So maybe it was Swiss police. Let's just stop there. Then I don't know for sure if it was if it was a private guard. But uh, you know, you see these corporate private guard. And they don't care about the law. They care about serving the corporation where they get paid. That's uh, that's where we're – I think that's the fear. I'm not so worried about the politics. I'm worried about these corporations that are sneaking in trying to buy up land. Bill Gates, what is his single largest owner of farmland? That doesn't mean he owns all of the farmland. It means for a single entity he owns more than anybody else. That's a lot. It's weird. I don't trust the guy. Yeah, I don't want to pile on the guy, but, man, he is – he is a weird... And where's Luke at? He's coming. <laughs> we need him to pop I hear you, Luke. Luke. Is Luke in the chat? I don't know. Probably. Hi, Luke, if you're watching. <laughs> Luke Rutkowski, ladies and gentlemen. We are change. Big fan. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's funny how you have, uh, you have this belief, or I, I don't know how you describe it, but um, you have multinational corporations, politicians, they meet together. In big international conferences, the New York Times are invited guests of at the, at the World Economic Forum, along with world leaders and people like Bill Gates, where they're talking about really horrifying things like, it, what, what do they say, implantable bio-tracking or whatever for your lives, tracking your carbon footprint. Yeah, for, for better compliance. Yep. They talk about like mandating health requirement stuff. Vaccines. It's so crazy because it's not American. I, I for a while it was like I just disbelieve it. I couldn't even begin to believe that people thought that way because I'm like, no, I'm born in America. First Amendment is paramount. You don't do that that to people. That doesn't happen. But now I'm realizing they're not from America. They're not from the United. They don't think like that. This is like authoritarian, weird European pseudo communist fascist Nazi stuff. Freaking yeah. and technocratic. Yeah, and there and are it, misconceptions. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. There are misconceptions about just how popular, like the, um, I, I hate the term free speech absolutism because it's kind of begs the question, but the American First Amendment conception of free speech is not unique in the world, but it's very rare. Uh, and, and I think uh, one of my worries is that I, th- I think it's, it should be becoming increasingly rare just in, in a gut conception of what free speech is in the younger generation. And millennials and now Gen Z is even more so. Um, and, and to address what you're saying, is the government the worst? Is the corporations the worst? I, I would split the difference and say the worst possible state of affairs uh, is one where they're both uh, – both the government and corporations are competing to please each other, that you have in place uh, an, a corporate apparatus that can do things that a state would like it to do uh, without repercussions. So I want to – people are saying that the police actually were wearing badges that said World Economic Forum police on their arms. So that's actually what Jack he stated they were World Economic Forum police. So that's a private <laughs> company, and it's they yeah. have the word police on it, which is interesting because I used to think of police as a public 
service, but not in Switzerland, apparently. I, w- I mean, it's not surprising in Switzerland. No, it's not. But it's I've been terrifying. to Davos, man. That was a big blizzard. It was crazy. Every- everybody was there was like betting on crypto for the future. All these ultra rich people. Yeah, you guys got deep in crypto. Uh, not really. No. Um, I mean, crypto is something we've been looking at a lot recently. It's actually it's been overhyped, and we're kind of disappointed that. We wanted to find a lot of anti-establishment engineers to kind of just make these kind of decentralized things and open source things that, you know, help free us from the oligopoly. And unfortunately, a lot of the attention, you know, I, I, I like to say, you know, all the elite engineers are either working for Google, but those who aren't are working for, uh, are trying to do cryptocurrency schemes. Um, and some of them are, you know, Bitcoin works. You know, it's great. A lot of these things are just complete nonsense. They're, they're, they don't work. They're not going to work. I, re- I remember in the early you know, Ponzi days. Ponzi some of them. Yeah, I remember in the early days there were just hundreds of coins that were derivative of Bitcoin. And people were just trading between them. And it was nonsense. It was like they were all basically just slight alterations of Bitcoin. For some reason, people bought. The craziest thing was when there would be a coin that was the lowest possible value it could be. Like, an, you know, eighth decimal point of a cent. So if you bought a ton of it, it could only double. So people would do it. So people would put like a thousand bucks into the most worthless thing possible because at the very least you sold it and got your money back because it couldn't go any lower. It's the weirdest thing. And then if it went up to two, you doubled your money and you pulled out. Crazy. Back in the day with crypto, it was just weird stuff. Game of hot potato, Ponzi schemes, whatever. Yeah, you need utility. I like the Mines coin as an example because you use one coin on the Mines network to get a thousand views of advertising. Yeah, Bill's been really good about making sure Mines is like not a, not like what I was talking about. Yeah, like it, it's you know not treated more seriously than it should be, and, and it's it, kind of useful. They didn't take a pre-sale. Like the CEO didn't take. Right. 20% of the coins before they went live. They just all went live. He buys them just like everyone else. He has to get them just like everyone else does. That's a legitimate thing. And then they won't nail it as a securities fraud. It's not a Ponzi scheme. It actually has value on the network. But then do you need crypto? Well, you got to you gotta be able to defend yourself against the SWIFT payment system if they mm-hmm. want to cut off your bank account. I don't know if you need crypto necessarily. But like, you couldn't need... you just make, like, the mines coin? You know, Facebook did this before, remember, when they tried making their own currency? Yeah, I mean, that, they did try. And uh, Telegram did, too. No, no, even before Libra, I'm pretty sure they had, like, Facebook coin or something. Oh. Right. Yeah, before crypto. They were, like, tokens you could get for, like, the games or whatever. I mean, yeah, that, that's just, that's not even a blockchain. That's just. Right, no, it's, it's like. It's like it's an like, in-app purchase in a video game. Like, Yeah, it's, and it's, it's like having gems in Zelda, you right. know, but you can use them on Facebook. Yeah. I understand Diablo uh, Diablo 2 Gold was actually, like, a, a usable currency in some countries for a while. I don't know. Oh, yeah. World of Warcraft gold also. Mm-hmm. That actually had value because they were, you know, people wanted it. So they were farming it and then selling it. Mm-hmm. But now World of Warcraft allows you to just buy, you know, buy gold. You buy a token that gives someone a month of gameplay and then they, they spend 20,000 gold on it. So then the economy is totally manipulated. You know, I just want to say this. Guys, if, uh, if you like, uh, if you're not a fan of communism, if you want to explain inflation to somebody, just in, introduce them to World of Warcraft, or if you know any socialists who play, just ask them, have they ever noticed why it makes no sense that linen costs like 30 gold? So let me, let me simplify this for you guys. You don't need to be a fan of the video games or anything like that for, to understand why this is important, or how it's a good you know reference for people. 
In the early days of World of Warcraft, there's a, a, a game mechanic, secondary class, uh, secondary, uh, I'll call professions. So um, when you go out and you're fighting bandits and then they die, you take their clothes. You get linen cloth. You can then use that cloth to make armor. Or you can do leather working. You, you kill a boar and then you skin it, take its leather. It used to be worthless because the, the value of the item you got was comparable to the level you were. If you just started the game and it's easy to kill these things, it's not very valuable now, is it? But then they rolled out the mass printing of currency by allowing you to buy money. So if you start the game, you can be like, I want to buy the best item. So I'm going to give hard U.S. cash to just have all the gold I want without doing any work for it. Well, what ends up happening is now the lowest level items cost obscene amounts of money. If you start the game off, you'll have no way of making that money. I guess you it's, it's hyperinflation. You get the land and then you sell it for a bunch of money and then the economy makes literally no sense anymore. That's what the mass printing of money does. Makes everything cost more and World of Warcraft is the easiest way to make these young Gen Z or millennial socialists understand it. Let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends and head over to TimCast.com. We're going to have a members only show coming up at 11 p.m. tonight. And uh, let's read what y'all got to say. Mr. Swaggerwagon says... Is it possible for you to get Elon on the podcast? I would trade the entirety of my wealth for that episode. Gotta have Ian also. Those two dudes having a talk would be priceless. Uh, your name is Eron. Yes. It's not Elon. No. But do you know him? I do not know him. Oh. All right. Well, Sorry. we tried. Yeah, I want to talk to him about terraforming Mars. I've got some ideas about like magnetic transportation between orbital platforms. Talk about like regrowing the... Uh, the coral in the o- ocean by with micro fragmentation and stuff. I think it'll be a great conversation. You know, you know, it would be a really interesting conversation if you're serious mm-hmm. is why we haven't gotten Starlink yet. Oh yeah. Um, apparently it, it's not quite working if you're like if, uh, on the road yet, but no, that's they, what they're they, aiming they for. They announced it. Uh, Starlink for RVs. They announced. So I, right. I, I'm subscribed to residential business and RV and but, I'm like, but where, where's it at? Come on. They said that it works best if the RV is parked. If you're driving oh, sure. and that it cuts in and out. Yeah. Still, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's, that's the, not the intention. But I'm just saying, you know, We'll get, we'll get Elon in the show, and I'll just be like, where's my Starlink? No, I tweeted at him. Come on the show. Bring Starlink. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah good he's luck. not going to do it. I'd love to see it, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe whenever it's up to Elon, yeah, I Yeah, we're going to terraform Mars, dude. We're going to melt all that ice underneath the iron-rich uh, dust that's going to then fertilize the ocean and regrow plankton. There's no atmosphere. Not yet. All of that water will just drift off into space. I wonder. Yes. I wonder how much will. ice there is there. It'll all go off in outer space. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I think it got hit and slowed down, Mars. You need a certain amount of gravity to hold an atmosphere in. So if uh, – I, I could be completely yeah. wrong about this. But I was reading about why we can't colonize Mars. Yeah, I, I'm actually more bullish on, on what they call the O'Neill Cylinder, which is like you know the hollowed-out asteroid that's rotating. And you could do that in low-Earth orbit, and it won't be like – you won't have deaths when people like have problems on Mars because like, they can just get to Earth pretty quickly. Yeah. But you do have a habitat. Like that's exterior from the Earth ecosystem. We just so we just need faster yeah. than light travel. Mm-hmm. You know, can we, we need to figure out how to rip holes in the fabric of space time. I think that's the Alcubierre drive. It's a warp drive technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I we need more people like Elon who are like trying to get stuff done. Yeah, because like if we're just going to wait for f- faster than light travel is probably not going to be something we get. Um, Star Trek tech is probably not going to be something we get. So, but I definitely would love to get off this planet. Like, I was always a big fan of Star Trek. Um, 
Yeah, but if we we, if, we should just do what we can with, with what we know now. Space elevators. If we do yeah. if we do colonize Mars, it's going to be underground or it's going to be big domes. You won't go outside. It's going to have to be controlled environments inside. Uh, yeah, if we do seed bombing, you retrofit C sixty bomber planes or like uh, drones, and you can drop like a billion seeds per day of trees, and like they don't they don't catch like if you're doing it by hand. But so many of them land, and st- if we can start growing trees, there's on no Mars. atmosphere. Yeah, but if there's there's carbon dioxide coming out of the water. There's not enough gravity to hold the atmosphere in. Get it? Yeah, I'm wondering if tr- so. It just goes off into space. The the dust, the the soil, or whatever you want to call it, the substrate is also drier, I think, than any any desert on Earth by a factor of like you know three times or something like that. It needs that. to be heated up so that ice yeah. melts. Now Venus, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah, like Cloud City and Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they talk about how because there's very dense gases, you can actually build easily floating cities. Oh, now, yeah. I, I shouldn't say easily, but well, like, they're like boats. It's a cinch. It's, 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 yeah. You hollow out large structures and then you vacuum it out so they float like boats above yeah. the dense right. atmosphere. And you can have, you have one atmosphere of pressure and you have actually one gravity, close to one gravity. Yep. So it's much, much more hospitable than Mars, I think, will ever be. All right, let's read some more. We got Ian Hall. He said, he said, Civil War, drink. That's right. <laughs> drink I'll water. say it 10 more times if you're really going to take shots. Civil War. Texas Ranger says, Tim, should we bring back asylums to lock up those with mental illness who are a threat to themselves and others? I mean, we still lock up people who are a threat to themselves and others called the 5150. My parents met at a mental institution. That explains it. They worked there. <laughs> they worked there. They got married in the chapel there. It sounded so much different the That's way awesome. yeah. the first way he said it. Good at the <laughs> Everyone's like, now we understand. <laughs> All right. Andy Staheli says, what is your opinion on teachers conceal carrying? Only a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. Lids the re- Lids is the reason Timcast works. Shouts. Oh, oh thanks. Uh, I think everybody has a right to keep and bear arms. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher or not, janitor or whatever. Even the kids. I don't own guns, but I like that my neighbors own guns. Like, I'd much... Yeah, I does think the, that would be does, great. Does the Constitution set an age limit for any of the amendments? Do 12-year-olds not have a First Amendment right? Serious question. I think they do. They they do some places and they don't other. There's there's you know cases about the uh, First Amendment rights of students in schools. What about you, Fourth Amendment? Um, also, at least in the context of school, uh, they have, their Fourth Amendment rights are somewhat different. There are there are cases. I mean, they still have a Fourth Amendment right, but it is reasonable to search them in a wider variety of circumstances than say a man on the street. Uh, I mean, cops can basically just search you. I mean, like we have a Fourth Amendment right, but they can detain you and they can frisk you. Um, yeah, th- there's the uh, um, shoot. Uh, the, I'm forgetting the case. Somebody versus Ohio. Th- th- yes, they can frisk you for for weapons and that, and that people have said that that's been you know abused and all that. But yep. you still have a reasonable expectation of privacy as walking down the street that is a relatively uh, relatively broad, well, broader than a students in a school. Is that Terry versus Ohio? About, Terry versus Ohio. That's it. I'm sorry. I don't know about school, but uh, I think kids have a right to keep and bear arms, same as adults. I just think the parents have to be responsible for them. And I'm not saying it's the way it should be. I'm saying if 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 you look back at how history was, kids were handed weapons. You know, kids would hey go out. There's a boar. You know, in the field, you gotta you gotta stop it. It's destroying. So they'd give the kid a weapon, and they would call up very young people to fight and defend their property from threats both foreign and domestic. If these things are to be changed, then you need to have a convention of states and change them. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's precedent saying children do not qualify as the people. Because they fall into the jurisdiction of their parents or something like mm. that until they enter the age of majority. 
All right. But uh, as for teachers, yeah, good. They should. Teachers, janitors, principal, they should all. All of them. I, the teacher could have an AR-15 on their back. I think they should. I think they should have a holstered weapon. I mean, the thing is, if the kids can't, shouldn't be able to go grab it. But if it's locked in a in a safe, maybe, um, then you're going to see a lot less attacks, I would kids think. Kids not going to grab it if the, it's holstered properly or whatever. Well, I, I mean, mean, I guess if you have a rifle... What was was, was the teacher in this situation allowed to have a, a weapon or not? In Texas? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about I it. I mean, it's Texas. They have constitutional carry. Even so, for teachers in schools? I don't know. Yeah. Constitutional carry, does that are – there, are there, you know, gun-free zones still when, they have, when they've passed that? That's interesting. Uh, I, there, there are yeah, in Texas. There, there are certain uh, establishments that make more than 51% of their uh, – you know, 50 plus 1% of their revenue from alcohol is still you can't carry in, and there's a few others. Yeah, really? Interesting. Robert Muir says, if we watch and do nothing, they will win. That's yes. Right. Boof says, Aaron and Ian, what's the biggest cyber vulnerability people face in 2022 that the average person isn't aware of? Well, I mean, I would just... 2020, things can get worse. Like, we never thought the political censorship would happen five years ago and it wound up happening um it might not happen in 2022 but the things we should watch out for are things like they want to make it so that it's impossible to connect to the internet anonymously like we should make sure that that's all it's always allowed to connect to the internet anonymously things like that what do you think Ian? i i think it's it's building on what i was, I was just saying about you know, corporations versus government the, the biggest vulnerability from my perspective is a situation where the government can ask a corporation to enforce a dictate that it would not otherwise be able to do. You know, what I'm worried about is the, is the executive uh, branch of this country being able to say, we would like so-and-so deplatformed, we would like so-and-so removed from public discourse, and uh, Silicon Valley, a company there, obli- having the ability to do so and obliging them. You know, doing so, just knowing that, that they'll get a favor from the government in return or whatever, you know, because the government could not do that on their own. All right. Dang Lin Wang says, Ian, look into the Eye of Sahara Atlantis theory. Critics who say it's false also say Atlantis was never real to begin with. Right up your alley. Yeah, it's the Rakat structure. It's in Mauritania, Africa. Everyone should look this up on uh, like Google Map or some sort of map, satellite map imagery. If you look up the Rakat structure, it is the, the ringed city of Atlantis. I mean, there's uh, with almost undeniable proof. It's about the same size, I think, that Plato said it was. And, and it's, it's got like water flow areas where it looks they like they, they dug out like a canal to the water. I mean, it looks human. The humans were involved. You can see ancient rivers and stuff all around there that are all dried out now. All right. Sam Whitehurst says, anytime I have a philosophical dilemma, I end up imagining Tim and Ian having one of their classic arguments representing the two sides of my brain. Love you guys and all your work. Ian, if you're ever in Florida, let's start a circle, man. Oh, I like it. A drum circle. I'm in. Drum circle. <laughs> Should imagine it's not like an angel or a devil. It's me and Ian. Yeah, we, for we, sure. You're wearing all black. We should we should do a bit where it's like Star Trek, where Seamus is trying to make a hard decision, <laughs> yes. and you're giving him like a strong emotional argument. I'm giving a strong logical argument. Yes, that'd be funny. All right, Danibus X says, as a longtime member, as a longtime member is of Patriots Win, the successor to the Donald. We referred to editing comments as Spez since that incident as a tribute to the head of Reddit. That was his username. But let me just stress that point for those that don't know. The CEO of Reddit was so angry that he was being made fun of. He went into the database and changed what users had said about him. Nice. Yo, that's crazy. It's so dangerous. He to should have. have been, he should, like, the board should have removed him. 
He should have been fired. I mean, that's what I guess he is the board, right? Like, yeah, that's part of the problem. Like, I wonder if these companies, these these tech companies, should even have a a board or a, a leader. Like, I know you guys with right now are starting up. Um, like, uh, it's a it's a C corp. Yeah, the, the Fudo. So you're in charge. Yeah, but like, at what point do you? Well, it's not a social media network, first of all. Well, it was kind of what I was talking about with trust. You know, I would I would hope that over time, Futo, if we're successful, you know, we'll have enough, you know, of a track record that individuals can decide that the things that we kind of give a stamp of approval have been vetted and are doing the right thing. In terms of, like, the situation with Reddit, I mean, absolutely, all these companies need to totally open up their moderation process. Like, um, League of Legends did a very interesting thing when they launched where their moderation for their chat in League of Legends had a, had a, like an open process for deciding who would get, like, how their, their chat privileges removed. Um, there's no reason why every tech company can't open up their moderation process. So we see exactly how these decisions are made. And, you know, this, the, the Reddit guy would have been, you know, we would have seen that what, what he did. All right. Mimo Type says, if only we'd all listened, if only we'd have all listened to Richard Stallman from the beginning, we wouldn't be here. You know, problem with Stallman, and this is one of the most interesting, I think of him as Yoda, the Yoda of the tech. He's of, if the force is real, he's Yoda. But he's like a, a troll. Like he likes trolling people. And he called it free software, even though it makes it sound like it doesn't cost anything. It, it just means that the uh, software code can be shared freely. Free as in speech, not free as in beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, ha ha ha, you know, he, he likes that it's confusing. That's the problem with that guy, I think. I love, I mean, I, I have much love for the man, but that's, that's my criticism of why people aren't listening to him. Yeah. He also never really thought about how to like incentivize programmers. Like, like you should be able to write software and ask people to pay, pay you for it. Yeah. Like maybe it can still be open source, but you could say like, Hey, give me 10 bucks, give me a box of cookies or whatever if you're using this software. And if you don't, like you should delete it. Yeah. All right. Let's read some more. Michael Guinness says, I was looking at who is running in my district in New York, and I didn't see any Republicans running. I was thinking of registering Republican and applying to run just for the lulls. You say just for the lulls, but this is how you win. Like, there, how many stories? It's like the guy didn't really think he was going to win. That was going to be funny. And then all of a sudden, you find out you win. If there's, if there's no Republican running in your district and the GOP is at record turnout, people are going to be like, don't know, don't care, not Democrat, rubber stamp. You'll end up winning. So, you know, hey, go for it. Christopher Knowles says, children fail to self-regulate regularly. I think parental limitations of children is for the sake of their own future self-regulation. Is parental limitation censorship? I think one of the cha- challenges is, at what point does the government act as the parent? Because the parents, you know, the government doesn't like what the parents are doing. Like truancy laws or curfew laws and things like that. Yeah, if you if you give a little, they're going to take a lot. I think for sure parents are censoring their children. They're deciding what they can and can't eat, what they can and can't watch, where they can and can't go. Um, that's your job. That's your job as a parent. That's one of your main jobs. In Chicago, if you're under 18, you I think under 17 actually, you can't go outside after a certain amount of t- after a certain time. 6 p.m. Well, that's new. I mean, it's always been, I think, 1030 or something like that. The cops it was will... a, I just remember at uh, like 1115, just after when I was 16, I believe I was 26 days from turning 17, but I got my, my curfew violation in high school Where? In, in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. right. So the cops pull up and they're like, get in the car and they take you home and then your parents have to sign off on it. That is insane to me that there are hours where you are not allowed to be outside 
because you're under 17 or 18 or whatever. It's 17, I think, right? In Chicago at the time, it yeah. was 17. When I was 16, yeah. it was I don't 17. know what it's currently, you know, right now, but think about back in the day when it's like you were working on a farm. You'd go outside when you had to go outside. It didn't matter how late it was. You know, you were, you had to be responsible. Now it's like the government is just, it's a nanny state, you know? Yeah, darkness is a little freaky or can be, things can hide. All right, Bootless uh, Bootless Regent says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's my birthday today, and I would like to get a shout-out for tomorrow when I am listening to this. Love your work. Shout-out, Bootless Regent. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, yeah, bro. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Or girl. The man, the legend, says Bill Gates made his first billion selling DOS. Yeah, I think he bought it for, for uh, 50 grand. He, he did a deal. With, so my understanding is he did a deal with IBM saying, I can get an operating system for your, your home computers. And they were like, okay. And then they negotiated a deal like a dollar per machine or some, some, something like that. And then probably more actually. And then he didn't actually have an operating system. He just, you know, said he did. And then he went and found one and then brought it to them and got the licensing deal on it. Good businessman. There That's you go. That's how they did He-Man too. You guys ever see that documentary about He-Man? The making of He-Man? No. It's epic. It makes sense. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are we we're, talking about the original cartoon? The original cartoon. Okay. They went in there like, we have a, a character and a comic and a cartoon. And they're like, we want it. So then they were like, <laughs> we got to build it. I always thought it was like repurposed Conan the Barbarian toys that like yeah. they couldn't get the license or something. So they made their own IP to sell the same toys that that's, were going to be Conan or something like that. That's one way to do it, huh? So if I recall correctly, there's also like an epic saga behind the Dolph Lundgren movie that like it was just like, uh, you know, from the beginning, a total, total uh, mess. <laughs> not sure. All right. Rilo704 says, please create uniform Linux software suites, apps that people actually want that isn't a repackaged 20-year-old program. Package them as flat packs. I will pay you handsomely for your work. Okay. Well, there you go. Great. We, we want to do that. We want to encourage people to do that. Exactly what he just said. All right. Brian Buck says, would you be interested in hearing opinions about DEC and its founder and CEO for years that did not fit the mold of the controlling narcissist type? A tech CEO that maintained a modest life, lifestyle and salary and had one hell of a product. Interesting. There's also that president from uh, Uruguay. Remember that guy? Yeah, he was a farmer. What was his name? Jose Mujica or something? Maybe. And he like had a crappy little car and he was like super chill. And he's like, I don't care, whatever. I think he was People really liked him. Yeah. Was he a farmer? Probably smoked a lot of pot. Yeah. Yeah. Louis Lacknotz, the the new president. Louis. Yeah. Steve Bearden says, Tim, shout out, please. I am a disabled vet with a special needs family trying to move to our homestead property in Alaska from Washington State. We need help with our moving costs. Thanks so much. Give, send, go. Mystical Wolf Acres. Good luck, man. Alaska. We should, we need to, we need to occupy Alaska. Yeah, we need to go there and start building. I don't know what you'd eat. It's cold. Why is there no bridge to Russia? What are they? Is that the most xenophobic thing ever? Like, come on. I don't think there's really a lot I of mean, commerce up there. So. But all, is Bering like, Strait Bridge. That, <laughs> how far <laughs> is the Bering Strait? Like 50 miles? Uh, if I recall correctly, it's like 100 miles to uh, an uninhabited island and then another 100 miles across the country. Yeah, that's a very it's, long it's, bridge. Let's inhabit the island. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but I don't think there's enough commerce for it to make I, I think the island yeah. is, inha- is, it, is inhabited. Oh, okay. Maybe. It, By like a very small amount of people. Very small, yeah. Yeah. It's like then there's the field of the, dreams the, the, if you build it. Bro, have you, have, you, have you guys ever looked at the Aleutians, part of Alaska? No. They they go far, 
far across uh, the Pacific. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's it's cool. I don't you know. I guess they have uh, on Alaska. I think it's called. It's one of the one of the cities. They do. That's where that show about crabbing or whatever it was. What was that? What was that show? Dangerous the, Catch. Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Like I'm gonna risk my lives to sell crab. Huh. Good stuff though, man. I out here, yo crab soup. Crabs everywhere. It's so amazing. It's crazy. Cream of crab, man. It's so good. We went to the restaurant. I got some. Mm. It's the best. I got a name on that Uruguayan president. Jose Mujica. Yeah. Mujica. Yeah, he was a farmer. Dude was awesome. All right. Spyro Floropolis says, I can code your cued word system. I've submitted my resume two times before. We haven't heard anything. 20 years experience. Well, this project is kind of like a community project. So just code it and put it up and then we'll shout it out. Right? Someone said, call it Sources Say. That's actually a really fun idea for a website. That's or, you know, if he really wants to get paid, he can apply to be a FUTO fellow and we'll consider it. How Oops. do people apply? So go to FUTO.org slash grants. You'll see two things up there. we got the FUTO Fellows Program is listed right there. Got the details. There's also the FUTO Legendary Grants, which is for people who have already done great work. We've made grants. We were talking about Larry Sanger's Knowledge Standards Foundation. Uh, there's more to come so, uh, on that. So you'll fund the Sources Say project if he applies for a grant? We will consider it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might just do it because it's funny. Just like, oh, actually, right here, yeah. Duder76 says, call the site Sources Say, and that's the beginning to every post. Oh, that's brilliant, actually. Yeah, that's pretty smart. <laughs> sources Say. And then uh, what do we do? We'll create every we'll, – we'll create like 10 posts, and we'll name them, and then let the community go in. You ever see the thing where they draw, where they'll get like a million pixels, and then every user can just draw on it all in real time? Oh, oh that sounds cool. Yeah, that's a really, really cool project that they've, they've done periodically. And then you can watch, like, someone will draw the American flag. There'll be, like, 50 people all trying to draw the American flag, and then someone will try to turn it into the Canadian flag or whatever, and they'll be competing, and then one oh. side wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot what it's called. That's awesome. So, yeah, so you, you guys, it's uh, F-U-T-O, right? FUTO? F-U-T-O dot org. Uh, yeah. Then you can check out the grants tab or slash grants, and it's right in there. Apply by, by June 15th. We're getting towards there. All right. So, so nine-tailed fox says kafifi, mm. not kavfifi, kafifi. All right, that's that's wrong, but I appreciate it. <laughs> JS Feller says a better Wikipedia would allow users to fork pages and let everyone see all the forks, just like GitHub. The most popular forks will win out in the end. Interesting. Yes. Yes. What's the what Let's license do it. is their we, code? We, I think we need to look at Wikipedia as just a source of diffs. They're called diffs. Yeah. Which is a, the difference from one page to the next. Mm, yeah. And if we just look at it as a source of diffs, you could actually just fork it very easily by saying this editor wins and this editor loses, even though the Wikipedia Foundation says the opposite. Um, we need to, it's pretty complicated software to build that, but it's kind of, you know, something we're thinking about a lot. And obviously, <laughs> Larry Sanger is looking at this too. Captain Tanker Joe says, Tim, I need you to do something for me. Stop calling diesel gas when referring to what trucks consume. It's either called diesel or fuel. You'll get persecuted out here if you say that. I don't know if, if I have said that it was, it was, a, it was an accident because I typically refer to gas as gasoline and diesel as diesel mm -hmm. because I have diesel vehicles and gas vehicles and electric vehicle. Singular. Singular. But, uh, so when I say gas, I'm referring to gasoline. When I'm saying diesel, I'm referring to diesel. Anyway, funny to me they have solid liquid and gas, and then gas is a liquid. I don't get it, man. Humans <laughs> are so weird. Gasoline. Yeah, it's it's a shortened for gasoline. Right, but why do they call it why do they call it liquidoline? You know, it's not it's not gaseous. <laughs> it's just a it. word, dude. I guess. I mean, it's it nice job, Rockefeller. 
What's that? It evaporates pretty quickly. That's true. We don't call wa- like you, like water a vapor. Like it's just the word they use. Yeah. It's water vapor, not evaporate e vapor. No, it's vapor. It's gasoline. It's a word. It's not. It's like when people say woman is derivative of men and it's sexist or whatever. When quite literally they have different origins. Yeah, female. Yeah, male and female have completely different linguistic origins. I'm pretty sure. That's so weird. Yep. In, in Britain, you know, it's petrol. In, in Britain, they, they think it's really funny. We call it gas, too. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, the, it's not a gas. Petrol. <laughs> Joseph says, not true, Tim. I used to be a liberal. When I had my epiphany, it hurt. I still remember my psyche being shattered when I realized what's going on. Mm. Crazy. Logan Rolden says, I am part of a youth program that betters the community, 501c4. That is in need of every dollar we can get. If we ask for a donation that is tax deductible, would you give us a grant? 501c4 is not deductible. Not deductible. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a political organization, I believe, which makes it. Is, is yeah. C, I don't know if C, is, does C4 mean overt? I don't think it means overt. Oh yeah, it engages in politics. Yeah, I think so that's the difference between a C3 and a C4. It doesn't mean that it is a political organization, but that because they will advocate for policy or a politician, it's a C4. That's why a lot of nonprofits that do political work will have a C3 and a C4. Veritas is a good example. They have Project Veritas and Project Veritas Action. One is able to do, you know, operations on politicians and one is not. Mm-hmm. Confirmed it is not tax deductible, 501c4. It is not tax deductible. Plus, we gotta we got to put funding into our uh, getting this uh, news rating agency and fact-checking thing up and running. Steve Moliterno says, create the Ianpedia app, which surfaces the Wikipedia definition accompanied by a Tim fact-check label. Wait for them to take you uh, to court. Mm. <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll grab some more. What do we got? Sherman Panzer, if a civil war truly comes to be, I would have to wonder who would be our real friends and foes upon the world stage. Mm. China would be just be, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to give you money, you know, this faction, and then they're going to go to the other faction. We're going to, we're going to give you money and just fund both. Make them fight. All right. Let's see where we're at. Dorktanian says Cali primaries are, oh, Cali primaries. It's, it's split into two words, primaries, probably using voice detector, right? California primaries are June 7th. I'm putting all my savings into my own business and not above asking for help at givesendgo.com slash Cajun. Are you running? Well, good luck. Refugee CA says, why aren't police departments located where schools are? Kids could better see examples of what happens when you make bad choices plus better security. That's an interesting question. Maybe it's because criminals are brought there and they don't want them near kids. They'd be releasing oh. people. Probably. Yeah. I mean, probably just the parents would complain. Yeah. All right. Uh, Diver867 says, for the love of God, please someone tell me that there is no Wuhan Institute of Monkeypox Virology. <laughs> uh-huh. I can't even tell you that. Uh, here's, here's, here's one from the, the Real Hydro. Oh, must be, must be a first-time super chatter. The gravity on Mars, 3.721 meters per second. Is it squared? It's hard to see the little tiny thing. Tim, how the is water going to fly away? Please stop being a know-it-all. My good sir, it's because water evaporates and then water vapor leaves the atmosphere. Okay. 
I could be wrong about that on Mars, but I'm pretty sure I was, I was reading something about that. Like low pressure. It would evaporate at I mean, a lower temperature. Water evaporates on Earth. I mean, I think it keeps its atmosphere, but for much less than Earth does. So, yeah. I mean, I think they, they think it had an atmosphere in the past, but it just went away because the so gravity wasn't strong. It's enough. that scar, that huge yeah. scar along Mars. It looks like something rammed it and ripped it open and all the magma came out and covered <laughs> the entire planet. So you've got all this iron oxide <laughs> dust now. Okay. Like four I, I billion years one. ago or something. It was the Great War. Yeah. Yeah. Wiped out human civilization, and then the survivors was a small, small band of about six people crashed on Earth and had to rebuild. And that's it. They wrote a book trying to tell us everything we needed to, to do and understand to survive. They called it the book. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the Valles Marineris. It's this. I don't know how long it is, but that's, four thousand kilometer book. trench. That's what? the book. Let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Valles I was making Marineris a joke no, about yeah. religion. Yeah. All right, let's see. Rando Bunderson says Mars has an atmosphere, albeit a very thin one. Otherwise, the helicopter drone ingenuity on, on it right now wouldn't function. Ah, yes. Well, there you go. I stand corrected. I think, you know, I was just reading that uh, it's difficult to maintain or something. They said that it's it would, a very it would, thin would, atmosphere. Yeah, it would, that's it there. Would. It's, it's, it's like I was surprised that that thing worked, but it did. Wow. Like because like, it is like something like one percent like, compared really? to, to Earth's atmosphere. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Good for them. All right, my friends, if you have not already smashed that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, and head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. We're going to have a members show coming up at about 11 p.m. And we've got some major updates coming, and there's going to be something really fun happening in a few days. I hope you're really excited for a funny announcement. we got cool stuff in the works, and it's all thanks to you as members. So we're going to, um, let's just say we plan on asserting ourselves in, uh, in the culture and dominating spaces typically held by the establishment. And we have plans coming up in the next few months to continually do culture jamming as marketing. So the first run is not really all that crazy, but you'll see some interesting stuff, and we'll talk about it. There's going to be some updates on the website, some infrastructure updates, because we are working towards being more resilient to tech censorship. So uh, follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me at TimCast. Aaron, do you want to shout anything out? Um, I mean, you've heard it a few times already, but yeah, trying to make Futo successful. We need everybody's help to do that. Um, we want to beat big tech. And that's Futo dot, tell me. Futo.org. F-U-T-O? Yes, F-U-T-O dot org. Check out the, the grants program, Futo Fellows, $20,000 per team members, up to five of you. If you're working on something, a cool technology that you, you want to get started, let us help you. Futo.org slash donation. Uh, slash grants. Slash Futo.org slash grants. You guys, I wanted to shout out the official launch of the Minds Festival of Ideas. Minds is uh, doing a show in New York City on June 25th. I will be speaking. Also confirmed is Tim Pool. We have. Oh wow! That, I I gotta see. It that. turns out you're. Yeah, he's good. He's great, dude. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> Cornell West. We got Zuby. We got Majid Nawaz. It, the list goes on. You can go wow. to, and I have the the link here for you. It is festival.minds.com. Get your tickets early because this thing's gonna sell out. And we'll see you there. I think, I think James James O'Keefe is gonna be there too, right? I believe so. Let's check it out, O'Keefe. Yeah, he's on the list. I think I'm speaking with him. Oh, good. Good. That's going to be a good show. I think we're going to rag on the media together and then high five. We're going to be <laughs> nice. like, the media sucks. going to be like, yes, boom. Yeah, big lineup. <laughs> Seth Dillon will be there. Just check oh, it out. Awesome. Festival.minds.com. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, awesome. Very cool. I'm excited for that. Thank you guys very much for tuning in this evening. I was correct. I was completely inundated with tech talk. We'll put it that way. But I appreciate uh-huh. it. I hope you guys learned as much as I did. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sarah Patchlids as well as SarahPatchlids.me. We will see you all over at TimCast.com for that member segment. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.